says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me for a very, I want to say, interesting and unique uh, sort of bonus edition of the podcast my good mate, 60s. Big fella, it's been an absolutely monumentous week for the club. Got that King Kong, uh, King Kong size gorilla off our back into the grand final qualifier against the North Queensland Cowboys, and it's almost fitting that we sort of go around the traps and get some different opinions this week. Mate, what a week to be an Eels supporter. And because I'm saying what a week to be an Eels supporter, we need to speak to some Eels supporters about what it means to them. We've been really fortunate to meet and and get to know some supporters who've got a, a unique story about themselves and about their passion for the Parramatta Eels, their journey there, but also a, a little bit about them as people. Because I think everyone that listens to this podcast today, they're going to be entertained, not just by the people's story about uh, about themselves, but also how their passion for Parramatta has come about and, and what their thoughts are regarding this season and, and this challenge of the next week or and hopefully the next two weeks yeah, that, that lies ahead. It's a fascinating cross-section of the incredible Parramatta Eels fan base. I think we've got one of the most unique elite athletes you're going to find on the face of the planet. Uh, we've got one of the most colourful, hardcore fans you're going to see as well. And we go international. So we, we've got a bit of everything in this week's episode, mate. Mate, it's we love having fans around the world and we've certainly got one of the most passionate uh, American fans that is joining us uh, today and uh, so I hope people stick around to the end of the end of the podcast. It is a lengthy podcast that we've got ahead, so we do we do let you know that. But you're not going to be disappointed in any way. So without any further ado, I'll let you get it started, mate. John, our first guest today is a really interesting individual. He's the number one ranked ether in Australia, and over in America, he now ranks at number ten. Most recently, he made headlines around Australia because he placed third in Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest in New York. He's a local fella. He comes from around the Hills District. His name is James Webb, and uh, you'll see him on the socials under J Webb You Can Eat. James, thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Mate, we're, uh, we're, we're obviously we're talking to you about your support about Parramatta, of, Par- of the Parramatta Reels. We'll get to that. But first, we want to have a bit of a chat to you about uh, what's made you famous. And, of course, that is the, uh, the eating. How long have you been taking on eating challenges and competitions? Firstly, I appreciate you guys calling me famous. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I've been doing eating challenges since uh, last May. May and June last year I started. So that's what, a year and a bit, a year and a half? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, was there anything that led you to get into into those sorts of competitions? To be honest, it was a bit of an accident. I um, So my, my missus, she enjoys like a good like uh, cheese board and a glass of wine. So she wanted to go to Hunter Valley um, for a weekend to do like a wine tasting tour and stuff. But um, of course, I don't drink. so. She, 
everyone knows, everyone who knows me knows you can bribe me to do anything as long as you feed me, right? <laughs> so she planned like she planned a day trip. Um, we live obviously Borkman Hills, so we had to end up in the Hunter Valley. So obviously on the way to Hunter Valley, you pass through Cessnock. Um, in Cessnock, there's this pub that is renowned by the locals for doing great food. Um, they had uh, on the wall this photo of a burger. Um, it looked fake. It looked like a photoshopped burger, like the ones you see on Instagram and Facebook. Anyway, so I'm like, can I do this burger? They're like laughing at me. They're like, Haha, no. I'm like, oh, so it's a fake burger. They're like, no, no, that's our undefeated burger challenge. I'm like, okay, can I do it? They're like, you know, like 50 people have failed, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, well, okay, like serve it up. Let's go. Anyway, so I ate this burger. Next thing you know, I'm like famous in Cessnock. I'm in the <laughs> Cessnock newspaper and all this stuff. The owner of the um the Kitchener Hotel, he was actually recording the challenge. And I was, I was, I knew it was happening, but I didn't really know why. Anyway, I finished the challenge. He sent it then off to the local radio, the newspaper, and the news. The next day, I was on Channel 9 News. So it kind of all like snowballed, <laughs> snowballed from yep, yep. And was that when you first realized that you could eat or consume food at a far more significant rate than the average person, or have you known for a long time that you are a big eater? Uh, look, I've always been a pretty decent eater. I never knew, A, how much I could eat, and I never knew that competitive eating was actually a thing. So, like, I didn't realize people, like, enjoyed what I do or what I now do. <laughs> uh, now, I, we were talking before, and I said to you, uh, people that – that no forty and I might think that we we look like we could be the competitive eaters, um, but people not familiar with you and your videos know that you're in outstanding shape. Uh, you're obviously very familiar with the gym. Um, has that always been the case, or have you really just you know thrown yourself into the gym because of all these eating challenges that you're doing? Uh, to be honest, I was I used to play soccer growing up at a pretty elite level, like semi professional. And I've yep. always been into bodybuilding, so I've always been in pretty good shape. Um, but now, obviously, obviously, I love my bodybuilding. But um, now it's it's kind of fun to try and balance out the competitive eating lifestyle with the with the gym lifestyle because obviously they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. At least the uh, protein intake won't be a problem for you. Yeah, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, 60's mentioned it in his lead-in, but you made the news headlines in Australia when you placed third in Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who aren't really familiar with it from the context of both a professional eating background and just being in, a, in America versus Australia. Can you give us a quick summary of the event itself and what you had to do to place inside the top three? Uh, yeah, look, so firstly, Nathan. Uh, hot dog contest in America is like the Super Bowl. It is like the pinnacle. Like some perspective, we had 40,000 people watch us at the event. Goodness. <laughs> and it was 13.5 million people watched us on ESPN. So it's a pretty, pretty big thing in America. Um, in terms of me competing there, also a pretty big thing. I was um, the first Aussie to ever qualify. Um, it's actually when I when I uh, I placed third, which was definitely a big deal. But um, the actual one of the uh, major league eating directors, he actually said he's an actual he's an Aussie. He's been living in America for twenty years now. He actually said as, as a bit of a joke and a little bit serious, like 
this is one of the biggest achievements from an Australian athlete ever. And he, he compared me to Kathy Freeman at the 2000 Olympic Games. Obviously, that was joking. But that's how serious they take it. Like, Nathan's is a big deal. And um, for me, to qualified Nathan's. So firstly, I went to America in March last year. Oh, sorry, this year. And I did a bit of a tour there. I entered two contests. And I placed second and I placed sixth. And the only people, so in the, in the, in the first one, I placed second in a pizza contest. The guy who beat me, Jeff Espo, is actually number two in the world. He beat me by three slices, but he's like the pizza guy. He has like every single pizza record around America. So he's very good. And in the meantime, I beat like six of the top 10 ranked eaters in America. And then the second contest I did, I did sweet corn, like uh, corn on the cobs. And that's pretty famous in Florida. And um, I finished sixth out of 20 out of 20 competitors. And again, the only ones who beat me were like top-ranked eaters in the whole country. So I did very well. Anyway, I came back to Australia, and I got this email, and they offered me a contract in the Major League Eating. It's, like a, it's literally a, a professional eating contract over there. And that means I'm eligible to compete in any contest I want. So then I applied to compete, because you've got to apply to compete, right? They're only allowed a certain amount of competitors per contest. Yep. I applied to yep. compete at one of the Nathan's qualifiers in um in California, thinking, all right, I'll give it look, I'll um I'll apply. Whatever happens, like, you know, it's worth a shot. Anyway, I get this email back saying, Yeah, we'd love you to try and qualify. I'm like, Holy crap. Like, I'm gonna try and qualify for Nathan, but that's crazy. Yep. Anyway, so I went to yep. the qualifier in, in this little town called Pleasanton. It's like next to Oakland in California. And I won the qualifier and I qualified for Nathan. Huh. So yeah, well, you're, you're at Nathan's. What can you just share with our listeners the the end result of how many hot dogs you consumed? Yeah, what, what did it take to finish top three? 41 in 10 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how far off was that from actually taking it all out? Oh, look, to be honest, Joey Chestnut, he's number one in the world for a reason. He ate 63. Oh, my He's God. crazy. <laughs> but he's, been, he's won, to a bit of perspective, obviously that was my first time. Yeah. He's won yeah. 14 out of the last 15 years. Okay. So he, he is quite literally the, the like the best in, when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, so he's, so in America, they call hot dog glizzies. I don't yeah. know purely yeah. with that I've, terminology. I've heard the term, yeah. yeah. His nickname is the glizzy goat. <laughs> because no one can beat it. He obviously was feeling crook the day that he he, he didn't win. Uh, well, to be yeah, look, to be fair, the person who beat him, it was is actually unbelievable. But yeah, honestly, he beat, he had a broken leg when he competed this year as well. So he he still did very well with a broken leg. And you know, given your number of forty one and your first it being your first time competing, do you think there's a lot of like margin for you to improve? Look, my goal. Is so in in, in in the history of Nathan's, um, only eight people have eaten fifty hot dogs, have surpassed fifty in ten minutes. Next year, I want to be the ninth person to eat fifty. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, just on 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 technique, is it like is it like um, no chewing? Is it like just bite and swallow? Is that the is that the way to go about it? Uh, kind of. So. This, everyone's got their own technique. Everyone's got their own style. However, yeah. one technique you need to adopt is it's called dunking. It's where you dunk the bread in the in the in the drink. 
to get it down. Yep. So the idea is you minimize chewing and minimize drinking and you use the soggy bun like to kind of help you get it down. You know what I mean? So you are doing a lot of bite, swallow or gulping, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, yep. that's pretty much the idea. Ah, okay. Now, I was a massive fan of the original TV series of Man vs. Food. I, I'm not so, but not so crazy about the uh, more recent series. But um, there's you've you've documented on your social media the different places that you go around to uh, around Australia. Obviously, a lot around Sydney, but it's been around Australia as well. Do you think there's a place on Australian television for? An Australian, but Australian-based content similar to Man versus Food. To be honest, I think yes, because like if you if you look, not, competitive eating is not for everybody, right? But yeah. if you look at yeah. what we do and what we're able to do, then yeah. So in America, there's heaps of other like knockoffs of Man vs. Food that kind of do what I do. It doesn't always have to be the crazy stuff. Sometimes it's just going to a venue and you know showcasing their whole menu, right? Yeah. No one said you can eat all that or eat it like a grub. You just kind of yeah. tuck into it. But there's a few yeah. Americans that do this. And to be honest, it, it's actually amazing in Australia how many messages I get that on a daily basis asking me like recommendations and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a ma- like there is a place for it because it's the promotional side of it. Like that's kind of why I document what I do. A lot of venues they they want me to post that I've been at their venue and what I think of their venue sort of thing, right? So yeah. I think there's a massive place if someone was to be given the opportunity. And uh, back to the competitive eating side of things, it seems like most of your challenges or some of your challenges are simply about how quickly you can get the food down your throat, whereas others are about the order of consumption. Is that a, a fair observation on, on what it, competitive eating amounts to or is there more to it as well? Yeah, so look, uh, when it comes to eating challenges, quote-unquote, there's two different types. You've got speed, and then you've got capacity. So some challenges are about, you know, how quickly can you take down this burger? And then you're looking at, like, minutes, right? And then you've got capacity, which is, like, generally they're the longer challenges, but they're the ones, like, how much can you fit in your stomach in one sitting sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, and and so you get those ones where you might have a mixture of burgers and fries and 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 other bits and pieces. Is that like? Do you sit down and plan and go? I'll hit this first. I'll hit that second. I'll finish with that. Is there is is that the secret to finishing one of those um uh, like large consumption type challenges? Yeah, look, definitely. Um, it depends. Obviously, it depends the kind of food that it is. But there's always definitely some kind of strategy. Um. When it comes to like, you know, when I go to venues and they want to put the whole menu on the table or, you know, a lot of food on the table, you've got to kind of strategize, right? So certain things are very, very hard to eat cold. So that kind of thing, you get down first. Certain things are very, very, uh, like, not palatable to eat cold. So you get that down as quick as you can. Other things that are, you know, are more like you can kind of enjoy, like still enjoy it. Like, for example, pizza. Pizza, I love cold pizza. So, like, you never have to worry about you can leave the pizza till last sort of thing. Um, yeah, also, yeah. you try and leave as much carbohydrate till the end. Yeah. Or you use the carbohydrates, for example, the fries or the wedges or the bread to break up the flavor. So when you're eating a lot of salty or, um, like, meaty kind of 
challenges, you're, you get this thing called flavor fatigue, where your palate, your brain doesn't want any more. You, you're sick of the same taste over and over again. Yep. So yep. you've got to break up the flavor somehow. And um, obviously, meaty, the meatier protein pack challenges, you get very thirsty. So you've got yep. to try and not drink so much because then you'll get, you know, full on, on fluids, right? Yep, yep. Yep. So, um, what's what's the most difficult challenge for you? Uh, and, and I'm going to put up two against each other: the huge portion challenge, or when you take on those sort of chili charged meals because the Scoville, those yeah. yeah, they they look like they're dangerous. The chili charged ones. Yeah. Look, I'm going to say the chili ones are the hardest. Um, that's just because simply I don't enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, to be honest. I don't think. Well, look, there's a, we've got a few chili chili freaks in this country that can handle a lot of chili, but I'll be honest, I don't think anyone enjoys the chili challenges. It's more of the gimmick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, like for example, I did um, Australia's hottest chicken wings a couple of weeks back, and I'll be honest with you, I couldn't taste chicken. <laughs> like you don't, you're not yeah. tasting the food. Yeah. You're literally being punched in the face by yeah. the chilliest thing you've ever eaten, right? So you don't do that yeah. for the enjoyment. You do that for the gimmick. Um, yeah. So that's that's challenging in itself because to be honest, I love food. So you put ten kilos of food in front of me, I genuinely I want to eat it, right? Because I really enjoy yeah. my food. So I don't yeah. mind these big capacity challenges because man, it's fun. Like it's fun. Most of them are generally quite tasty, and like I said, I love my food. Yeah, the uh, the spicy stuff. As someone who does enjoy you know chili and spicy meals, there is definitely a break even point where. You know, it's not, you're not doing it for the spicy. It's just, it's there to say I ate at whatever level of Scoville heat that was. So, yes. But, yeah, uh, look, I think once you start measuring Scovilles, the. Yeah, the exactly. Once the, the Scoville, the once the Scoville meter comes out, you're not talking about enjoying spicy food. You're talking about, yeah, <laughs> uh, I ate this hot. You know, Carolina Reaper or Beyond and whatnot. So, exactly. talking about maintaining yourself, mate. Uh, do you need to take days off between challenges or, you know, you sort of were talking to 60s and I before we were recording about how much you can eat in a day and how you practice that. What What is a, like a, a weekly routine for you when it comes to this sort of thing? Um, okay. So I, yeah, look, you, I generally take days off um, when there's no like contest. So when I've got a contest, I'm eating nothing less than 10 kilos of food a day. Um, so I can keep my stomach stretched. Um, because the idea is the longer you can delay getting full, the more you can eat, the faster you can eat, right? So when it's, yep. when it's quote-unquote contest season, I'm smashing food every single day, 10 kilos a day, no less. Um, and if it's a certain type of food, I might really focus. Like, for example, the hot dogs. I was doing – I was literally training hot dogs sometimes three times a day because I yep. want to – you know, you need to learn the technique. You need to master the technique. Therefore, the only way you're doing that is by eating hot dogs. So that's what I do with that. Um, now I don't have any contests coming up, so I can kind of be a bit more a bit more chilled out. Um, I still try and obviously because obviously a part of my job now is I do food challenges, venue promotion, things like that. So I've always got to be eating to a certain standard because if someone says, "Hey, come to my venue tomorrow, and uh, I want you to eat, you know, yeah, you five kilos of beef." Exactly. So I try and still eat a lot each day. Um, not always 10 kilos. Obviously, sometimes work, uh, the other side of my business is very busy. So I don't have time to always eat 10 kilos of food because it can be time consuming. But um, to be honest, when it comes to days off in terms of 
speed eating, yes. Like yesterday, I ate normally. Even though I ate a lot of food, I still ate like at a leisurely pace. All right. Now, we were, you, you just touched on that with the, the, your business ventures. We talked before we started recording uh, today. Is there an end goal for you around the food eating, or is the food eating aspect of it a bit of a fun adventure for now? Oh, no, definitely. Look, so with the food side of things, um, in terms of competitive eating, I want to be top five in the world. I'm currently top 10 in the world. I want to be top five. Obviously, I want to maintain being number one in this country, which is, you know, a brilliant accomplishment and actually an honor to be called the number one eater in the country. It's an honor. So I want to maintain that. Especially um, in the short time frame, mate. Like to have, to have yeah, got this, definitely. you know, like it's unbelievable in that frame, time frame. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, I honestly, I'll be honest. I want to. I want next year. I want to be the ninth person in the world to crack fifty hot dogs at Nathan's. So that's my goals when it comes to eating. Um, the other side of the eating part is the, uh, you know, the the promotional side. The, uh, you know, look like you guys say the man versus food. Just documenting my journey, doing what I can to promote venues. The marketing side of it. Um, there's that side of it, and then obviously. That's combined. That, that's quite – look, in my opinion, that's quite a big goal because it's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but then obviously overall, um, me and my partner, Kate, we have a, like a promotions company. We do a lot of promo work for different, different uh, like marketing companies, TV mm-hmm. channels, things like that. So, look, I think the whole, the whole idea is to just be promotional. You know what I mean? Like – Whatever yeah. I can promote, I will promote. Yeah, yeah. And and just before we get on to the footy, do you have a favourite food? My favourite food is pizza. Uh, so it's a okay. solid choice. It's a solid choice. Yeah, yeah. And some, you know, there's some good venues around the place. Even uh, some good pizza options around the uh, the hills, uh, the hills district too. So um, yeah, not a not a bad not a bad go to there. Shout out to Belmontes in Bookham Hills, my local. Yeah, Tanya <laughs> feeds me once a week, every week. <laughs> you so, know, I don't mind North Mead Pizzeria, mate. That's that's uh, they they make a great pizza as well. So I'm going to give them a plug. Go. Got, the, got the two shout outs. There. So speaking <laughs> good, of good the call. hills, good call. Speaking of the hills, boys, uh, you are from that district. It's the heart of Parramatta territory. Uh, yep. Now, like myself, I'm going to assume that you went around for Parramatta's last premiership when you were born. And sixties has yep. had the luxury of being able to watch all of them. So, yeah, I'm 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 an old bloke. I'm I'm nearly sixty two now. So I, I've been to every grand final since seventy six. So yeah. Yeah. So when did you first take on the frustrating burden, I'll, I'll call it, given that what that's what it's put us through at times of supporting our eels? Uh, okay. So I supported the eels from back in high school. So, um, obviously, I mentioned to you guys I played soccer growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I supported and I was involved with Parramatta Power, the soccer team that played yeah. out of, back then, Parramatta Stadium, right? Yes. And our colours were the same as Parramatta Eels. And yeah. um, it just so happens, one day, I was in my local shopping centre up at Jural. I grew up in Castle Hill. So, my local Woolies at Jural, uh, Nathan Heimarsh was there. I would have been maybe year seven, year six, year seven. And uh, Nathan Heimarsh came up to me. I was wearing my um, Parramatta Power jersey. And he's like, yeah. oh, go the Eels, like a bit of a joke. 
And yep. me being me, I turned around and I'm like, no, dude, this is Paramount Power. And he's like, obviously, I didn't know who he was, right? And he was a bit shocked and <laughs> I was a bit confused. And li- we literally like, he's a, he's a top fella, hey. We just got chatting. And um, yep. yeah, literally from that day on, when I worked out who he was and what he does, I supported Paramount Eels. Obviously, I always knew about Paramount Eels playing out of Paramount Stadium. But um, yep. then it was just more of a, an excuse or a reason, I guess you could say, for me to support them. Yep. And um, obviously, because I used to go watch Paramount Power uh, back then, the the soccer and the and the and the football were on. You know, one was summertime, one was wintertime. So then yep. Yep. I literally had another excuse to go to Paramount Stadium the other time of the year. So I've been supporting yep. Paramount Eels since high. Like I'm going to say, yeah, since I was twelve or thirteen, maybe fourteen. Yep, yep. And 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 in fact, Paramount Power was also owned by um, by the league's club. As yeah, well, correct. Uh, correct. So, uh, yeah, it was all part of the same um, uh, enterprise. Um, now, let's let's just focus on this season. Now, um, it's been an absolutely wild ride. Um, has the team exceeded your expectations in getting to the preliminary final at this point? I'm going to go with they've exceeded my expectations in them actually getting there. I mean, yep. for a couple of years now, on paper, they've had a great squad. But they are yeah. renowned for not performing when it comes down to the crunch. Yeah. So I'm look. Don't get me wrong. I'm so so very glad that they turn up and they show up and they put in and yeah, they got to this preliminary final. But to be honest, I'm I'm actually so surprised that they turned up. <laughs> it's it's been it, look. It, it, we, we've had our moments this year, but I guess the positive thing is we haven't lost two games in a row. At any point, so we've had we've had some low games where they haven't turned up, and they've used that phrase themselves. But now that we're getting to the crunch, as you said, they're turning up. What breaks my heart is with Parramatta, the low is very, very low. You know what I mean? That's the thing. They either turn up or they get pumped. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the lot of a Parramatta supporter is. You know, and I always say that the low points make the high points that much more exhilarating. It's so true, though. Yeah, they, so do, true. They, they do know how to have a unique low point, I will say that. But uh, this is a question where we, we've had a lot of different views because it is a very subjective one, mate. But which players do you believe have been the most critical to Parramatta's success throughout the 2022 season? Oh, okay. Can, if I'm honest with you, I don't think you could put it down to one player mm-hmm. because our squad depth is not very good. So the core of players, for example, you take out Mitchell Moses and then, you know, we, we buckle. You take out Clint Gutherson, we buckle. You know, a few positions you can kind of, you know, paper over the cracks with. But when it comes to the spine, I think the most important players to our team, if you've got Gutherson, if you have Moses, if you had Marnie, and then Junior Paulo, I think those, those four is what makes Parramatta fire. Those four combined, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. You take yep. one of those out, the other three, they can't pick up the slack because there's too much slack to pick up. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so basically, when, when we're talking about um, the role that those people play, um, we just haven't had the people that are step, can step up to, to fill the void that they would leave. And that even means, and I guess this is maybe a, a valid criticism which people have said in the past, that when we've had someone filling in, we're expecting the other the other fellas to lift a bit more to help carry 
a player that's filling in and maybe they haven't done that enough on those occasions during the year. Yeah, but see what I think the difference between Parramatta and the other top five, six sides is they have those game-changing players, right? Parramatta yeah. have great team chemistry. So yes. you weren't, we don't have a game-changing player. We don't have that million-dollar marquee player. You know what I mean? We don't have the Munsters, you know, the Trebojeviches, you know, those kind of players, the Clearies in our squad. But we have a great team. So you take one player out of that team and it's, it's struggle street because we rely on our team chemistry. Well, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, no, no. Look, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point because yeah, it's not so much the, it's not so much that you've you've got um, uh, that that one player is irreplaceable. It's that the chemistry of, around each player and being part of that squad is what's important. So um, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I agree. Get what you're I agree. Yeah, and, yeah and, because and don't forget what, as well. Sorry, sorry what was that? No, I was gonna, no, you go ahead. That's okay. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, even I can relate that to even back in the uh, back in the eighties and, and that great run of premierships was that our greatest foe back then uh, was Manly. Uh, I mean, I know that Bulldogs came in with uh, with their their run of success as well, but we played Manly in two of those grand finals, and Manly assembled a team like they literally went out and bought a team of superstars. Whereas yeah. Parramatta had built up their team of a lot of locals and, and the odd experienced player, but it was all about the chemistry, and it was and the old saying was a champion team being able to beat a team of champions. Exactly so, right. And look, we're we're a great unit. You know, you have a, we have our full team. The the football Parramatta plays is is great. You know, like they're a great unit. They lead the league in offloads. There's not one player that's running for 200, 250 meters a game. You know what I mean? There's not one standout player you can put your finger on and be like, this guy's a standout. No, no. The team itself overall is a standout. Yep. Yep. Do you have any concern? Did you have, prior to last week's game, because you said, you know, it was uh, turning up was, you know, has, has been the big thing when we got to this end of the season. Did you have any concerns coming into last week's clash with the Raiders? Oh, look, I think like any Parramatta supporter, you hope you hope with everything you've got that they want to turn up and play. But um, look, my biggest thing was if they could turn up and be physical, they would have had a chance because everyone knows Canberra's forward pack, they're beasts. Tarpani and Papali, yep. you know what I mean? Like they're, 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 they're animals. You've got to compete with them. Yep. Otherwise, they're going to bash you off the field. You know, yep. we have to yep. obviously, obviously um, Mitchell Moses has had a bit of concussion issues. So had to protect him. You can't be getting him getting smacked off the ball and you kind of, you got to protect him as much as you can, right? Because you need him in an attacking sense. So he can't be making 30, 40, 50 tackles in a game. Yep. So yep. provided the, they turned up, the forward pack turned up, which obviously this year, more often than not, they've turned up, you know? So provided we could match them physically, we always had a brilliant chance. Now, obviously, all eyes now turn to Townsville with the looming game against the North Queensland Cowboys trying to book a berth in the grand final and the big dance itself. How did the Parramatta yep. get that win on Friday night, mate? Again, they have to turn up. They have to be physical. But I think if you break it down, the completion rate has to be there. Um, if they can keep, if they can complete and they can keep possession of the ball and, you know, starve the Cowboys, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, don't give 
Valentine Holmes that opportunity or that space to run the ball. Um, you know, provided they can they can keep possession complete, I think the rest will take care of itself. Because you give Mitchell Moses the ball enough times in his hand, he makes magic happen. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And and, and I guess also the conditions up there in Townsville that if you're doing more defensive work, you're going to tire a lot a lot quicker. So that's that's probably the um, another key to, as you said, the completions. The completions lead to you to maybe have a greater share of, uh, of possession, makes the opposition tackle more. And in those conditions, you don't want to be defending, defending, defending. Yeah, definitely. And look, to be honest, it's that old cliche. It's the same for both sides. But I feel like in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a final situation, a preliminary semi, whatever you want to call it, the adrenaline will kind of kick in as well. So, yeah, yes. you want to yep. focus your energy where it's going to be best spent, right? And obviously, scoring points, you want to have the ball in hand and make attacking opportunities rather than having to defend your line over and over and over again. Yep. Now, looking past the job at hand's dangerous for the players, but we're supporters. Uh, we're allowed to dream a bit. Let's assume we get to the grand final. We get past the Cowboys, we get to the grand final. Which opponent? do you see as the toughest to overcome? You know, the Rabbitohs, uh, the Panthers, and why? Um, look, I'm going to be honest. I reckon they're both as tough as each other for different reasons. Uh, Penrith, they're a well-oiled machine. They are a brilliant team. Obviously, they have game-changing players. Obviously, somebody like Cleary, he's, he's a generational talent. He's special. Yeah. Um, but their team have been strong for a number of years now, consistent for a number of years now. They know how to turn up. They know how to handle the situation, the big, the big game situations. So that would be tough, obviously. And also it would be, you know, quote, unquote, a derby, you know, Battle of the West yeah. and all. So yeah. I think that, that that will be tough for that aspect. But equally, Rabbitohs, I mean, those, they're, they're, they're a tough, big forward pack. They, they offload the ball. They, they, have a good, they have a good style of football. Latrell Mitchell, he's, again, generational talent. He's a game changer. Cody Walker has yeah. been playing well. You know, but their forward pack is equally as tough. So it would be it would be a battle because it would be more of a physical battle. It's you a, know, so I think it'll be tough, equally as tough, but in different ways. It's fascinating yeah. to me, and it feels almost scripted to an extent, which which I know is I don't know, it's bizarre to say, but after twenty five brutal rounds of regulation football, followed by just about a month of finals football, the Parramatta will sit in a position now where their two opponents are. Uh, a the you know the best team in the competition and B the team that probably has the biggest psychological edge over them in the Rabbitohs uh, when it comes to the actual grand final itself. So, it, like I said, it's almost scripted. If the Eels are to win it all, they've got to do the you know the Hollywood classic and go up against their big arch enemies and knock them over. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think this time of year, there's no easy opponent. You know what I mean? True. Now, yeah. you've spoken about how the Eels beat the Canberra Raiders, how they can beat the Cowboys. If they stay true to those two, those two sort of breakdowns that you gave us, they take on obviously one of the Panthers, the Panthers or the Rabbitohs, but they, they keep playing that way. Is there any reason why they can't win the title this year? Definitely not. On on Parramatta's day, they they're electric. They're one of the they prove it. On their day, they are one of the best in the league. And like you guys would know, in a final situation, anything can happen. Someone, all you do is to turn up that, that little the drop of the ball, the luck swings your way. You got to be in it to win it firstly, but definitely if, if they get there, they deserve to be there. And of course they're in with a big chance. 
And uh, if the oh. Eels, if the Eels were to win it, mate, who's bringing home the Clive Churchill? Who's going to be the in a, in a champion team like you mentioned before, where there's lots of guys that pull their weight, but no game breaker per se? Who's the player that stands up on Grand Final day? Look, you Moses for sure. Solid option, yeah. Or, yeah, Papali or Junior Paulo for the fronts. Mm-hmm. It's my he's he's got to be man of the match okay. to, to perform like that. Well, it, mate, it's it sounds like he's uh, you've referenced him a number of times. Uh, it seems like he's the he's the player that you um, you really hold as the ultimate key to Parramatta's success this year. Um, he is like any good team. Your halfback's always your superstar, right? Yeah, exactly. James, it's been an absolute pleasure for you to walk us through. uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the right word for it is, but the fascinating world of competitive eating and and the fact that you're just dipping your toes in it in 12 months and gone so far is a credit to yourself. I know that uh, 60's mentioned your Instagram, but fans can catch you on Instagram and TikTok at webby underscore can dot eat. And uh, there's plenty of uh, like cracking footage and, and pictures of uh, your journey through the uh, competitive eating landscape as well as everything else you do. Thanks for coming on the tip sheet, mate. It's been an absolute blast and wish you the best as you uh, yeah, continue to solidify yourself as the not only the best eater in the Southern Hemisphere, but potentially someone that can make some big waves in the American scene. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, very much for having me. I appreciate your time and go the Eels, eh? Go the Eels. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Appreciate Chat it. Chat soon, lads. See you later. Bye. See ya. Well, that was a very, very interesting chat with James, you know, uh, insight into the world of professional eating and how he's sort of fallen into an incredible slice of fame. But let's keep the show rolling, big fella. I'll let you introduce our second guest today. John, like me, thousands of Eels supporters have either seen our next guest entertaining the fans at matches or they've seen his videos on his social media platforms. I had the pleasure of meeting him last week. He calls himself the Paranata Prophet. You can also call him James. We'll refer to him at different points during our chat as either one. But Prophet, for now, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> I, th- I think it's uh, kind of difficult to start with anywhere, but the reasoning behind the name, mate. How did you get to Paranata Prophet? Well, uh, there's actually a bit of uh, marketing involved. Um, originally, I was just known as Paranata, and that didn't work for me because I needed people to do searches on Paranata, and Paranata is such a unique word, so... Yeah. Uh, when I first started, every second person would also ask me about Parry Jesus. So I added the prophet <laughs> because I don't know if Jesus and his disciples will ever come back. And um, and even though I'm still Paranata on social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and all the rest of them, uh, you can find me on the title of Paramata Prophet. I, I mate, I think that's probably uh, from in terms of a search aspect, that is a good move there. Um, even though I know with your sense of humour. Uh, Paranata would, would have probably been close to your heart when you came up with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paranata explains me. It was, I mean, I, I, when I go to a game, I, I can't control myself. I'm, <laughs> when, I, when I actually watch a game, I'm very quiet, but if we score a try or anything, I, I explode and there's no control. <laughs> me. I go from the stand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, for people that aren't, are unfamiliar with you, uh, you've got a different look for every game. There's literally too many for me to rattle off now, but uh, some of my favourites, I love the Woody from Toy Story. The Pharaoh was great. The Mask, the Jim Carrey character, that was good. Uh, the Teletubby. 
uh, the sailor, <laughs> the sailor outfit. It's just a classic. Um, but each has got its own different face paint. James, from the beginning, was it your intent to create a look for every match? Uh, not at all, uh, Craig. In the beginning, it was all about, to be honest, it was just about the face paint. And I was only wearing jerseys. I wasn't really concentrating on anything else. Uh, then one night, one day, I was actually going to a game. And I was my ultimate hero is uh, Laurie Nichols. And I, I was thinking how magnetic this guy is. And, you know, just with a couple of air punches, he can, he can draw in the whole crowd. Uh, yep. So I thought, you know, I should start something unique and fresh, but also capture him and hold on to him at, at the same time. So uh, as a tribute to Laurie, my first actual costume was at a Tigers home game. I waited for that and then started from there. And uh, it's been incredible since and a dream of having back. Now, it's easy to you know, sort of say crudely, but half ass a costume, mate. But if you're going to dress up the way you do and turn it out as well as you do, how much preparation goes into a given costume in a given week? <laughs> well, um, if I'm not attending a game, I don't actually wear a costume. So there's less pre- preparation to it. But in saying that as well, uh, in the games that I don't attend, I try still promoting Eels related items. So I look for third party merchandise online. Uh, and so Redbubble and so forth. I'll go to those sites and I'll buy those shirts and promote anyone that's doing anything to, related to eels. But the the games that I do attend, to find a costume, it's pretty hard because I can only find costumes that are either blue, yellow, or the best is if I can find a combination of the two colours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always on, online searching for a costume and, and going out to costume shops all, all around the greater city and looking out. Um, face paint-wise, uh, it usually takes about half an hour to, a, to an hour long. And to come up with the patterns, I'm, I'm sort of like Mr. Squiggle. I start with a dot and a line, and then I just match it up. And I'm like, I try keeping a theme, but usually it's just the dot on the line, then I match it up, and yeah, it looks good. <laughs> uh, well, look, you are an entertainer at heart. Um, you, you bring lots of colour to, to matches. That, that must give you a lot of joy doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am an entertainer at heart. I actually went to a performing arts school. I went to Northmead uh, High School. Uh, my actually in saying that my when I was in year seven, uh, in year twelve, Greg from the yellow the yellow wiggle was my school captain. So I had a lot to look up to. Um, and then I, I was actually even though I went to a performing arts school, I was I was extremely shy. Uh, but then I found myself in a kebab shop, fully to bully, a family owned kebab shop, and I started singing every single shift I had. And yeah, for <laughs> ten years straight. Absolutely. Yeah, if you ever come into my shop, I actually had my workers at one stage singing um, every hour by the hour, but they got over it. And <laughs> me still, yeah, I was still singing today. Um, it, I mean, it, not to blow my own trumpet, but I did get employee of, a, of New South Wales in 2009. Uh, and the shop was itself most awarded shop, single standing, non-franchise, small business in Australia at one stage. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Mate, how about right, right now, give, it a, give, your, give your business a plug. <laughs> fully to bully kebab shop it's at uh, Pemaway Marketplace Pemaway thank you so much for that <laughs> what's the uh, what, what's the best way to get a kebab mate uh, I know it can be a divisive topic where if you go chicken meat mixed how do you, what, what is the perfect kebab look the way I go is always I always go chicken with a little bit of meat uh, lettuce tomato onion people don't get onions but onions are the heart of a kebab you need it to smell afterwards you know what I mean <laughs> and then uh <laughs> Uh, barbecue sauce, garlic, uh, sorry, barbecue sauce, chili sauce, and a little bit of mayo, and oh, best kebab you can ever have. There you go. Sounds pretty, pretty good. Now, uh, let's get back to the footy with you. Uh, yep. Is there a specific part of Combank Stadium where fans can find you and interact with you? 
Uh, to be honest, I, I roam around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time I'm around gate B, which would be, or the second gate, which is the closest one to to the main road, yep. Parramatta League side. Uh, but I do roam around a lot. If you do, don't happen to find me, uh, I actually do come down the aisles as well. I pick, I usually go three spots uh, behind the post. So right in front, uh, right in the under the black dot. I try it to the far right, far left. And then I also do it at the halfway line and both 20 meter lines as well. I come out there and I, I give a scream every so often. So you'll see me around. <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who do you reckon enjoys your work the most, the adults or the kids? Uh, it's got to be the kids. It's got to be the kids. Look, adults do appreciate it. Um, they're not used to, it, but it's definitely the kids. I do it for the kids. It's all about the kids. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a sob story for you guys. Um, my wife actually went to the UK to give birth to my son next to her family, uh, and COVID kicked in, and I haven't seen my son or wife for three years now. Oh, <laughs> good, yeah. Good news is they're coming back. They're coming hopefully in a fortnight's time. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, but. Uh, entertaining the kids was more of a, a self-therapy for me, to be honest, more than anything. I, I couldn't do it for my own son and be physically there for him. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give to the kids and see the joy in their eyes. And it, it's carried me through. So uh, God bless every child that I, I meet and, and entertain. Mate, that's uh, that's brilliant news about the, uh, the family you're reuniting. So we, we wish you so, so much of the best there. Thank you so much. I have brainwashed him already. He's a Paris supporter and does scream out, go Paris. So... <laughs> <laughs> you got to get them when they're young. <laughs> That's it, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, that almost ties in perfectly for where we want to go with this '60s. Because to continue on that serious vein, Parramatta have a long and famous history working in conjunction with the Ronald McDonald House. I, I think it's fair to say it'd be a brilliant idea to invite the Parramatta Prof along with them. Would you be up for something like that, mate? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love the Ronald McDonald House. Um, I'm I'm all for any program that that assists assists needy and and what Ronald McDonald House do uh, for families is wonderful. So yes, I'd I'd be honoured to if I get an invite for the Ronald McDonald House. Absolutely, mate. I, I reckon they I reckon it'd be a good idea to to make that happen. Um, but just still touching on the on the sentimentality around football as well. There's a photo I saw on your socials of your father on the hill at Parramatta Stadium. Does he hold the responsibility for your passion for the eels um look dad is a very staunch paramount supporter always has been um but he did let me choose my own team but it was hard not to go for the eels i, I was raised in north Parramatta, born and raised in north power um on windy days we would actually sit outside with the radio and and you can hear the crowd all the way from where i was the lake you can hear the crowd just screaming across and i fell in love with that just the atmosphere and just what they were screaming and and then going to the stadium as well and it was a brand new stadium at the time and ah. Uh, I've never looked back. I love my eels. And uh, let's talk footy because outside of the costumes, that's not the only thing you do. On socials, you have some great video work that brings footy facts and your thoughts on upcoming games. Now, in the course of all that work that you've done there, is there a favourite fact that you've uncovered over the years? Maybe something you know, even trivial given how you know, Rugby League is so tied to the fabric of Australian culture, but something that's stuck in your mind ever since discovering it? Um, there, there's a lot. Uh, I've learned about the Eels and, and Parramatta in general. Um, but I have to say, uh, one thing that actually stands out for me, it's not nothing major, but it's actually got to do with the uh, the rooster's logo. And not many people know this, but the, the comb of the rooster or the, the hair, the top bit, mm-hmm. that's known as the comb, uh, the little red bit on top, it's actually designed to look like the opera house. And I never knew that. And I was like, okay, that's that's a wonderful ah, fact that I can use against rooster. Yeah. 
I wonder if that Logan? came in. I'm just wondering whether that came in when they changed their name from Eastern Suburbs to the Sydney Roosters. I believe so. When the new logo was adopted, yes. And the hair change as well. So, yeah, it's the Opera House. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, that's really interesting stuff. Um, well, we've now had... Just again, we're gonna we're gonna start digging into into the the footy itself. We've had four years in a row of finals football, and we're about to play a prelim. Can you believe the negative spin that some media uh, are, are trying to peddle about Parramatta at the moment? Still, even saying if we don't take it another step further, that we just counted as a failure, a failure this year. Um, look, in, in truth, media is always. Uh, regularly negative towards the Eels, and, and it's always been the case. It's, it's, so I hope our, our players don't listen to, to, to half the stuff they say, but um, media doesn't really concern me. It's more our fans that concern me, because it, our, what if you've noticed, our fans have become, I think maybe because of the, 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 the drought that we've had, they've become such cutthroat, and if we have one bad game, they're all of a sudden you know, off with their heads, and take this one out, and do that, and they want you to do everything that it's not <laughs> realistic. Um so uh, if I can get our fans to improve our game more than anything um, and, you know, take the, take the losses, you lose, you lose. Who cares? Next week is another game and, yeah, let's not attack our own team. You know, what? So that, that is so appropriate. And, and I think if there's anything, that should be the lesson that we've learned this year because we've had some lows during the year, but the Eels haven't lost two games in a row. And no matter the result this season of, of like this weekend – or, or perhaps next weekend, that will remain true for the season because, as we know, like it's 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 win or lose. Um, you know, like if you lose, the season's over. Um, if you win, you you march on. There's not going to be two losses in a row from here on in. The Eels have shown that bounce back, as you've said. Like there's always next week, and the Eels have shown that all through the season. But yeah, it is like, I mean, I. I'm not just saying it, but like we, you know, we do get to have a bit of insight around the club. And I can tell you that the the club, they have no interest in chopping and changing. Stability is a lot to do with our run of success. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I hope that uh, supporters can also see that as well, that we are on this run now purely due to the fact that not only have we got a good playing group, but we've got stability around the playing group and the coaching and that sort of thing, and, and also the off-field. Stability's got a, a lot to do with uh, where we we currently sit. Uh, so Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, like, also at the same time, like, I'm part of, I'm not just the Eels, part of the Eels clubs. Uh, I'm a part of all NRL fan clubs, social clubs and so forth. I love the sport of NRL, the art of NRL, so I'm a part of all NRL fan clubs. And I like being, uh, yeah, keeping it up to date in what they're doing with their clubs and so forth. But if you, when I look at the other clubs, no one does what Parramatta does with the with the attack and the straight out. You know, let's have a go of him, and we've got to get rid of this. And oh, this he needs to go. And um, I understand their frustration. I emphasize as well because you know I'm in pain as well. But the fan club really need to change the way they approach, the way they express the things. So yeah, um, let's 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 bring in more positivity, more fun. Um, let's embrace rugby league for all of it and, and, and our wheels for all of our ups and downs. I always say that these, these, any rougher times make the highs that much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. After 36 drought, it's going to be a hell of a high. 
<laughs> and mate, I'm I'm old enough that I've been to every single grand final. So I was there in '81, and uh, I can tell you, I I reckon this next one is going to go off. The celebrations when it happens is going to go off as much as it did in '81 for the very first. And uh, you know, there was some people that were just thinking it's never going to happen. Um, uh, when it finally did, oh mate, it was. Uh, the league's well, like that. Stadium down. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. No, we don't want a stadium burnt down this time. We didn't mind last time. We don't think we want it this time. But, um, yeah, look, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the amazing thing, and um, we're going off topic a little bit here, but when they made the first grand final ever in 76, you know, I reckon there was a lot of us that were almost, like, happy just to be in the grand final. Like, even after the loss, and 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 of course we had the opportunities, and you know Neville, poor Neville Glover is infamous for dropping a pass, but a lot of supporters were singing and were joyous after the game. It was just extraordinary. We we travelled home on a supporter bus because I wasn't old enough to drive back then. The bus was singing all the way back to the club. It yeah. was the most extraordinary thing you'd ever seen. It was like it was like we'd won the grand final just being in it. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see if we get through how people feel about it or whether they're tainted over all these years of, of non-success that it still won't be good enough. It has to be the win. So, yeah. but uh, I reckon if we get to the grand final, it will be enough for our, our fans. I mean, I, I experienced the same thing in 2009 with the grand final. Coming back on the train, we were still singing all the way home as if we won the grand final. So, Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a remarkable year, that's for sure. That positive oh. mindset that you guys sort of tapped into might end up being a defining point in this question's answer. But what is it about this year's Eels, the 2022 Parramatta Eels, that will give us the best chance for success, not only this Friday, but should we win there, moving forwards to the grand final Sunday? Uh, well, I think our boys have come to the, the realisation that it's now or never. They, they, I think their mentality has helped our, our success more than anything. Uh, Moses is a lot more confident than he was earlier, and it's exactly what we needed. He's not running sideways anymore. He's attacking the line more. He's he's run. He's brilliant uh, off the off the go speed. He's off the spot speed. Uh, Brown is also doing a lot much. Uh, he's a completely different player now as well. And I think him picking up his game has has made Lane also pick up his game. So uh, we, there's another strike that we've got as well. So I believe all these little factors. The improvement all around the field. Not, I mean, I'm just mentioning example, but the whole team has improved. Is going to be the reason that we're going to win, and and this team is going to be remembered for a very long time. Did last week's demolition of the Raiders surprise you in any way? <laughs> Not at all. Look, I've got to say, but I am. Uh, if you look in the dictionary under the word of uh, optimistic, you'll see a picture of me. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, it didn't just surprise me because uh, Raiders last time struggled against our forwards. Our forwards are the greatest meter eaters. They're post contact meters and everything. Uh, and they struggled with it last time, and I thought if they if our eels do the exact same thing they did last time, they're going to stand no chance. And exactly what happened. I didn't expect such a big score. That surprised me. I, I was expecting thirteen plus, but forty to four. That was oh magnificent. Is it the same template to beat the North Queensland Cowboys, or do the boys need to focus on some different areas this week, given what the uh, Cowboys do well? Yeah, well, see uh, what I see with the Cowboys. They're the mo- probably one of the most fittest teams I've seen in a mm-hmm. long time. There. And they've also got the uh, the weather to their advantage up there as well. Uh, so I think beating them is going to take Moses and the kicking game and Dylan as well. Uh, if we kick him to death, I think that's how we're going to get the win. Uh, not actually just our forwards making the metres, but Moses' kicking game has to be up to par and 
that'll be the win. So let's assume we get through this. Who's your preferred to opponent um, in a grand final, and uh, and why? <laughs> None of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'll have to I'll have to go with South because Panthers are they're a threat at any time. Even if they're down, uh, they never put their head down. They just get back into it and get back to the grind and try hitting it out. Whereas South, they do go through spells where they just have this. They lose themselves for a little bit, and they a 10, 15 minutes where they just can't, you know, get back into the game. So I reckon South, if, if we can get them and get them early as well, uh, they'll go into that mindset and we can keep them there and, and win the game and comfortably as well. So if we do get through to the big dance itself, which obviously is 80 minutes, maybe maybe 80 plus minutes if we go into extra time away, can we expect something extra special for the grand final itself when it comes to your outfit, mate? <laughs> um, my outfits are always extra special. Look, I'll be honest. <laughs> extra, extra special then. Extra, extra special. Uh, if I come without face paints, that would be extra special. That's uh, You know what, in actual <laughs> fact, uh, me and my daughter have a bet. And, I mean, she's a 17-year-old, so she's a bit uh, embarrassed right now. But uh, <laughs> Dad, stop uh, it. Yeah, no, the, the bet is actually if I end up losing, I'm not going to tell you what it is, it's a bit personal, but if I end up losing, I have to go to a game without face paint. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just an ordinary person. <laughs> like, that's all I want. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll plan something extra special for grand final. Absolutely. Absolutely. I might have fireworks or something coming off me. I've got to work that one out. <laughs> Whatever's legal. So, well, just talking about fireworks, how would the Prophets celebrate a premiership? Oh mate, um, I'll probably I'll probably go down to Parramatta and celebrate it down there. Try it. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. It's been so long. I've, I've never really thought about celebrating. We were so comfortable with losing. I never thought about celebrating, but I definitely will celebrate. Um, probably have a big barbecue invite as many fans as I can and, and players as well. And yeah, mate, it sounds it sounds like a good plan. Yeah, and I'll do the cooking because I got to go. Well, I'm, that, that was—I'm sure that was just about to be Forty's uh, next question about uh, what what can we expect on the menu, you yes. know? Like, and 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 I hope we're on the invitation list. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, top of the line, right, right up there. Uh, mate, uh, look and and look, can also just before we wind this up, say what a fantastic job you did. With the um, uh, the Channel Nine crosses to Parramatta Leagues Club uh, last Friday, uh, so thought you were um, really good. Not only just with the Parramatta supporters that were there, but um, with your interaction with the um, with the cameras and uh, and the uh, and the uh, reporter. Uh, fantastic thank job there. Thank you so much. I'm humbled by that. Um, to be honest, the sound was coming a bit late in my ear, and I, I couldn't work it out. That's why I started a bit at the start. But once I got into it, I was I was flying. So yeah. But thank you so much. That, that's that's a great compliment. James, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Always love talking footy with the, the most passionate Parramatta fans around there, and you're certainly right at the top of that list. Looking forward to catching up with you, hopefully on Friday, uh, live at Parramatta Leagues as the Eels take on the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, but until then, mate, you stay safe and keep well. Thank you so much. I'll be down there and expect a, a good costume down there as well. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and for people, um, we will keep you up. We will have some updates coming uh, very soon because there is a live event planned for Parramatta Leagues Club. Uh, we'll be involved. James will be involved. Uh, so more details will be coming out, not only by the from the Leagues Club on their socials, but uh, through, our, through us. And, and I imagine James will start putting it up on his socials as well as soon as they come through. 
Uh, yeah, definitely, most definitely. I'll definitely advertise. <laughs> as many as the more the merrier. Exactly. Mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, the Paranata Prophet, really one of the most passionate fans you're going to find out there, 60s. To wrap things up, I'll let you introduce our last guest. And like you sort of hinted before, we're going to the States where we get an international perspective on supporting the Parramatta Eels. John, our next guest is a really interesting guest for us because we've looked at some of the metrics of our podcast and we've seen that we've got uh, quite a few uh, listeners over in the United States and we figured, oh, it must be, you know, all the expats over in over in the uh, over in the states all the expat Aussies but it does turn out that we have some absolutely true blue American supporters of the eels and of the TCT podcast and we've got one of them here today his name is Ron Greep Ron thank you for being our guest today hey thanks for having me I really appreciate it. I love the show uh, I love rugby league and I'm just really excited to talk to you guys well, that actually brings us into our first question. How does the 27-year-old American who loves his American sport fall in love with rugby league? So it wasn't something I absolutely sought out to go watch. Um, in 2020, um, well, the world ended, as we all know. Yep. And uh, in, let me see, was it March? March or, yeah, no, April. Um, I got furloughed from my job. I got it back. We're all good. But in that time, I got furloughed. So I was at home, and in America, sports pretty much immediately stopped in March. So there's nothing on TV. So I woke up one morning, and I was flipping through channels, and, you know, it was like Fox. I was like, okay. And it said, it said Rugby League, you know, Eels versus, I can't remember who it was. I'm like, okay. Like, I've seen, you know, one thing, too, I didn't know that there was two different uh, forms of rugby. I know, I know there was Rugby League, and or I, I only knew that there was, like, one, excuse me. Um, I knew that there was rugby, but I didn't know there was two kinds. Yes. So I'm watching and I didn't realize that there was rugby league and rugby union. So I was just like, Oh, rugby's on. And I watched and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I was excited. I did that like two or three days in a row. And it was just something that was so like, I knew about like what rugby was, but I never, ever watched it or like followed it. So it was just something like when no other sports were on, that's what, uh, I just kind of was drawn to. And then I followed him on Instagram and just kind of kept up with that when uh, I couldn't watch at home. And that's pretty much where it started, just basically because I, I wasn't working. And it was just something to watch. And, like, I really – I'm a big sports fan. And, uh, no, it was just – I got drawn to it immediately because I've always known about it, but never, like, went out of my way to watch it or learn it or anything like that. So this was the initial start of uh, my rugby league uh, passion. And uh, why did Parramatta become your club to follow? Was it just they were the first team you saw? Or was it, a, you know, the, the sort of football they played was what attracted you to them? Yeah, that's it was there was no like other like reason other than like I had seen them like the three or four times. Mm -hmm. And actually I know I watched a couple Raiders games. I don't want to I don't want to vote for the other team or anything like that after we just beat them, but uh yeah, no, I was watching uh Param the most. Um and it just like that was like, you know, I seen this thing. These guys are good. I'm going to I'm just going to pick these guys. I seen them two or three times. So I'm just going to cheer for them and then uh I think I saw like a highlight on one of the games of like Mitchell Moses just going off and running and then him celebrating like, dude, this guy's dope. Yeah. I want to follow this. I was like, I want to follow this guy. He was just so good. And then like, even when I was watching, like um, at the time, like I didn't, I, like I said, I get, and we'll get into it. I know learning the, you know, the numbers and the players and how the positions you know, and all that. And I just kept seeing this number one guy. I'm like, dude, this guy's good. Like he's making plays. He's making tackles. I'm like, this number one guy's everywhere. And it was uh, Clint Gutherson. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I learned that later, but I'm like, wow, this guy's 
awesome. And then, you know, just from those two little things with Mitchell Moses, just seeing a highlight and then Gutherson just being everywhere. Uh, I just got attracted to the Eels. And I was like, I'll follow these guys. Uh, see what happens. Plenty, plenty good reason to get involved with the Eels. And have you had a chance to acquire any Parramatta Eels gear? Oh, uh, yes. Um, I'm, I didn't know if we we're going to do video or just uh, voices for this, which is completely fine. But I got two jerseys. I got um, the 2021 jersey. I got the 2022 jersey on right now. I got like five or six hats. Um, nice. I'm a big hat guy. Like I'm a yeah, big, yeah. big hat guy. So got some hats and then I got some hoodies and I got a really nice crew Actually, neck. Uh, I'll typically a, go on the website and uh, check out the team store and stuff like that and see what people got. It's a shame. Um, you, uh, what what year was it, 60s, when we had the black cap that came out for the 70th anniversary? Uh, that would have been, what, 2017? 27. Yeah, it must yeah. have been 2017. I, think, I yeah. think that would have been the best cap that released in a few years as well. So I don't know if we've got a spare one floating around that we can get to you, but that, that was an absolute banger of a hat. Yeah, I got a couple actually because a guy on the the Facebook group that I'm in that helps me with all my Paris stuff. So when I came, cause I'll post stuff there periodically, and uh, different people have sent me different hats and stuff. Maybe the black one you're talking about is all black with the P and the E, and they're blue and yellow or blue and gold. Is that maybe the one you were no, talking no, about? That one, I got that, that one came out after it was a 70th anniversary hat. Um, oh, okay. We'll have to have a hunt around for you. We'll, we'll have a look at that one. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate yeah. it, guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you. I'll, I'll also get you to send me a photo of yourself in your gear, like a, your favorite photo of yourself. We'll put that with the um, with our, our podcast posts, so people, oh, people sure. get a good idea of your passion. So um, uh, now you've talked about this has been a, a real learning process. So mm-hmm. first of all, where's that path taking you in terms of learning the game? So obviously, um, like when I started watching it, I like. Being an NFL fan from America, like obviously the games are similar. Like there's no denying the similarities, Um, but obviously it's different. And I learned that immediately. Um, When I first started watching, I was like, I'm going to commit to the Eels and I'm going to start watching, you know, this rugby league more and more. I thought I'm just going to watch and enjoy. But I'm a crazy detail person that immediately was changed because I found myself saying, what is that? Why is that? Wait, they have the ball now? Wait, wait, they're kicking it on. Wait, there's five tackles. When I kind of compare it to downs in football, I know it's yep. different, but I'm like, wait, there's five. And I'm just like going back and forth myself. And I'm like, yeah, no, I got to learn, learn, learn this stuff. Like there's no reason for that. Um, some of the ways I learned was uh, watching, obviously listening to the refs talk and the commentators, just like basic stuff and kind of seeing the stuff happen over and over again. Like, Oh, that's happening because of this. Um, I went on YouTube and like, cause my buddy, like I, like I uh, said earlier, cause he was watching me one day and I was like, just saying the words rugby, rugby, rugby. And he's like, you know, there's more than one rugby. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're watching rugby league. And I know there's rugby union. That's the more like universal mm-hmm. one, I, I suppose. And I was like, really? So I went on YouTube and then like, there's like this video that's like rugby union versus rugby league. And then I was like, well, I don't care about that rugby union stuff. Let me watch the uh, rugby league one. It was like a fun, like instructional thing. I watched that like once. Um, oh, excuse me, I'm talking so fast. Um, That's so good. Uh, I'm just breathing real fast. Uh, there's another page on Facebook that I follow called uh, Clarky's Rugby League column. I don't know if that's super popular by you guys, but uh, Clarky is probably there. the biggest social media blog for rugby league when it comes to Australia. Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. He does great because he'll post like all the news stories for the week or day, and it's like it has like who says it, the news, uh, like the where it's uh where the credit is and what it's about and all the players. And it's so informational. So it's like, I don't get your guys' uh, sports media channel. So like 
the biggest news I won't see right away. I'll get it on my uh, Instagram and, mm-hmm. and Facebook. So it's really cool that he breaks it down week by week, day by day almost. And that's awesome. Um, and I mentioned earlier the Facebook group I'm in. That's been like probably the number one biggest help other than listening to you guys, which you guys do great because I was going to mention you guys next. Like you guys obviously break everything down too. But this Facebook group, I'm going to shout them out. They're called the Paras Eels Army. Um, it's ran by a gentleman named Troy Warner. I haven't spoken to him or messaged him individually or, you know, to him personally, but he runs the group and I know he has a podcast that he does. I haven't listened to that one. I've been really mainly focused on you guys, which is awesome. Um, but he, that's the group I'm in and I'll periodically ask questions. Like if I were to go on out, copy and paste it, send it to you, but I'll be like, hello guys, this is the American fan again, dot, 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 <laughs> ha, ha. And then I'll just list off. Five, whatever it is, five yep. or six questions. Like I remember last year I was learning and I felt really good. And then like, it was the game where I couldn't tell you who was playing. I think we lost this game, but it was like Blake Ferguson got one of the kicks and dropped it right down, like into his lap in front. And then the other team scooped it and scored. And I'm like, Oh darn it. And then like, I think like Clint Gutherson or maybe it was Ferguson again. Don't remember hit him in the lap. Then they jumped on it. And then the other team got the ball and started to play from the scrum. I think it is. And, I'm like, what the heck's that? Like, why did that? And I'm, you know, so like, I'll like, I saw this. Why did this happen? I had to learn what a knock on was. And I was like, okay. And then the advantage and disadvantage, you know, like if we get it, the place dead and uh, stuff like that. And just like throughout me learning, like, why is this called that? Why is this happening? Like the double knock on um, that happens. I, I know what it is, but sometimes like I'll see four or five guys touch the ball. Maybe if that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't. I don't know who's getting the ball. To, I'll just to, to be to fair, commentators. sometimes we don't hey, hey, I'll, I'll give you a tip. We don't either sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's the lap of the gods with the, with the refs. Because <laughs> I'll, like, I'll see them knock it back. Oh, we should get it there. And then it's like, our team gets the ball. And I'm like, all right. Like, okay. All right. Well, like, I can't change it here like 10, 15 hours later or whatever. Or, you know, eight hours later. But it's like, so Facebook has that particular group. So if anyone's in that group listening, I want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um they have been nothing but polite. Sometimes there's some guys that are kind of jerks, but we have that everywhere. But I just want to say that that group has been very helpful at my posts, my questions have been nothing but respectful. So uh, that's a big shout out to them. And then one last shout out for the group. I met, I oh, coincidentally, I also met an another or another American in the group and he messaged, you know, we've been messaging back and forth. His name's Kent Urita and I haven't met him personally. Um, he lives in South Carolina. And so like, we'll watch a game and the game, well, I'll watch on the app and he has the app and we'll watch it. And then we'll kind of message each other like, Hey, what'd you think? Or this was awesome. Or did you see so-and-so do this? Or that play was good. Or what'd you think about this call? And like through all of that, that's also learning project. Cause like he follows football as well. And the NFL. So like we share a lot of the similarities and it's really nice to kind of go through that with somebody else and understand it, even though we've never met before. Um, so that's just, that's, that's basically it guys. So it's just like, it's a learning process and I've really committed to it because if I want to follow this and I want to be, you know, proficient in understanding and enjoy it even more than just like, oh, we scored, cool. Oh, darn, they scored. I really just want to know as much as I can and the rules so I understand what I'm watching and that makes me enjoy it more even if we win or lose. Well, look, I, I, I want to shout out to another uh, American follower that we have. Uh, and believe it or not, his name is Brad Arthur. Oh, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. So, um, Brad, if you're listening, because Brad does listen to the podcasts, Brad, if you're listening, shout out to you. Hope you're enjoying the the ride as it is now with getting through the preliminary final. Thank you for listening. 
thank you for listening to uh, TCT. And, um, and and he actually was switched on to it like you. He's a bit of a sports nut. But um, I think mm-hmm. the origins of that was um, I'd mentioned Brad Arthur in a, an Instagram post and one of his mates tagged him in to it because, you know, obviously the same name. And then he, he mm-hmm. sort of looked into it and then he's – He's he's taken up the sport and taken up the uh, the eels. So now, on to the eels. What sort of path have you been taking down then when it comes to learning about Parramatta? I, I I know we've had our conversations where I've tried to give you a little bit of bit of history there. But um, was it is it the same the same Facebook site that you've you've learned about the eels, or you've been sort of digging around on the internet? Um, a little bit of both. And yeah, I do appreciate when we've messaged back and forth your in-depth uh, detail. Like, I really do appreciate that. And it's awesome. Um, Yeah, I've looked up some stuff on my own. And then through like the Facebook page, people will you know, randomly post like highlights from the from the 80s when you, it was your guys's uh, or our guys's glory days. And it's funny because I think you guys said the last time the Eels have won the premiership. I got to get used to saying that. I'm so used to saying championship. Mm-hmm. And it was in 1986. Perhaps. And the la- and I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and the last time the Bears won was 1985. But I think like we go back to the 85 season. But I think the date was like when they played it 1986. So I'm pretty used to the the long the drought, drought yep. of my favorite team not winning. But um, I looked up a little bit. But I see highlights on Facebook and listen to you guys talk about the old players and when you guys win. You bring on a guest, and it's usually someone from that era. At least that's what I've—I can't follow all the names, but it sounds like a, a couple times it's been one of those guys. I know who—I uh, forgot what his first name is. Sterlo. Uh, Pete yeah. Sterling. Yep. Pete Sterling. He yep. was the—he was the one that had the long blonde hair in the eighties. He yes. was super good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've seen his highlights. It's really cool to see how it's so from so long ago, but how similar it is. And it—I I do know about it, but there's still so much more I could learn. Like I haven't seen like a full game from the eighties or. I couldn't tell you like a certain moment or anything like that, but I know that we have a long history seeing that the team started in 1947. And I think, is it, I know there's a couple, was it the roosters and the Rabbitohs started in 1908. And then is the rooster is the uh, eels, the next oldest team. No, no, there's, um, there's quite a, um, there's quite a varied history of, uh, of rugby league with, uh, teams that were part of the original uh, foundation clubs and mm-hmm. and have disappeared down the ages and others that have joined in but Paramount well we're probably a... we're probably one of the oldest ones now because of clubs mm-hmm. that, have, that have wound up um the the bulldogs and um the berries yeah who mm. were originally called the berries they they came in a little bit before the eels manly came in the same, same year, year as They're us a sister club exactly and, and the St George Illawarra Dragons—they're they're a merger, but the St George side, I think, came in might have been the late twenties. I could oh, be okay. I could be wrong off the top of my head. So um, there's a, there's a couple of those clubs, but you really as the uh, as the and and Balmain and Wests were uh, foundation, but they're now a merged uh, entity yep. as well. So um, and Parramatta actually yeah. have an indirect connection to the foundation year. Because Cumberland, who wore Parramatta's colours now, the blue and gold, were in mm-hmm. that for they came into the season, I think, two weeks in the sixties and then yeah. ended up folding at the end of the season. But there, there's no direct affiliation there. But yeah, you go back to nineteen forty seven for the Eels and the Sea Eagles, which puts them on the older half of the competition because there's been expansion since obviously and there's been look like say the Gold Coast for us, that's been a problematic area where they've gone through five or six iterations and the the, mm-hmm. the ventures, you know, failed a few times and come back in a new uh, iteration. Yeah, so any any of those uh, those newer clubs, that, yeah, when Parramatta joined, 
it was a um, a ten team competition. They mm-hmm. they okay. So it was uh, was uh, it was quite um, uh, quite a smaller competition, Sydney based, and then the uh, expansion uh, in nineteen sixty seven included Cronulla and Penrith took it up to a twelve team competition, and then we started to get the likes of Canberra, Illawarra, um, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brisbane and so on. It just sort of grew from there. So to make it more, um, it's still really East Coast and New Zealand based in Australia. Um, lots of talk around that it'd be great to take the game back to Perth, where we had a, a where we had a team before uh, when Super League came in. But this is this is all that varied history of rugby league and attempts at expansion and what have you, which I guess uh, forty leads you onto the. The next thing. Yeah, this is one that pops up, I feel like, every couple of years. And it's actually topical because the NRL is going to the States, I believe, even next year, the year after. But based on your experience, and, and given that America is a market dominated by the likes of the NFL, the NBA, hockey, and the MLB, uh, is there a market for the NRL in America? I was asked this question in the Facebook group from somebody else saying the same exact thing. And personally, I think... I think it can. Yeah. It's just there, there, there's, to be honest, there's absolutely no form of rugby, rugby league, rugby union highlights or anything anywhere on our sports media. Now I know we have a team and a sevens team for sure. And there's rugby league outlets and all those kinds of things. So I've actually looked up to see what's the professional one in America and all that kind of stuff. But yes, I do think there is, if it's marketed prop properly, cause like there's so many great athletes that I didn't even know about. Like I'll watch, when I watch, the, if I'm not watching the Eels, I'll turn on one of the good uh, games of the week, and I'm like, man, you know, you see all these different athletes like uh, Trebojevic from last yep. year, like, oh my goodness, like that guy's a, a, a freight train. And then you got guys like Latrell Mitchell, you got the big uh, prop forwards like Junior Polo and RCG, and then the other uh, like Yao or Yo, sorry, excuse yep. me, on the Panthers, just the like Panthers, these big, yeah. big people that like you see those athletes like in the NFL football that are linemen that aren't really getting the ball unless they're maybe a tight end and. Just all these Pappenhausen, like there's a mar- there's de- I personally think that there is a market for it definitely because this game is so crazy it's so it's so hard to be good and you can you can see that like I'll watch and you know whoever I'm watching they they got the ball right at the line right at the try line and I'm like just score like they're right there or whatever and they just can't do, or you know not can't do it just it's so hard to do it and. It's exciting, and then like how the rules are, where you make one little screw up, and the other team gets the ball. Bam! Like you could be going perfect, drop the ball. You just made an accident, you drop the ball, and then bam, the other team gets. You know, there's different ins and outs that makes this game so exciting. If you got two good teams going at it, even if it, the final score is like a blowout at the end, or it's you know two to two in the you know with ten minutes to go, like I, I, I might be watching these games alone a lot of the times with the way I have to watch. But man, I'm on my edge of my feet, on my toes, by my fingernails, like. If this game is marketed and it's highlighted and they promote it and they show some of like the premier athletes, there's no re- I, I'm nobody, you know, in, in any media or the sports world, but I think this can definitely be something that's marketed. Uh, mentioning that game that might be played next year, I've only heard about it through, uh, you know, on the TV when I'm watching games, if it's mentioned and or on uh, the internet. I haven't seen anything regarding any game in any ESPN or Sports Center or any American sports outlet or uh, you know and on Instagram anything that's America. I haven't seen anything about an NRL game happening in America. I hope it does. I don't know if I'll be able to go. Unfortunately, if it's in California because that yeah, place is crazy like it's expensive. Go LA. Yeah, the, just looking at the but, last report, 
I mean, they're talking yeah. uh, Manly, Seagulls, South Sydney Rabbitohs or Sydney Roosters going to LA for a, a game. So, yeah, the old the old West Coast bias. Usually it's an East Coast bias in American sports, but we've got uh, some... Uh, it depends what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All depends. It's true. It's true. I, I feel like California is only... If you live there, you're from there. They're the only people that like California. If you're from anywhere else, you pretty much vote against it. But if it's something for, if it's something like that, um, like an NRL game, I would do everything in my power and financial power to go out and watch because I, I want to go. I want to see it so bad. Like I would love to see this in person. Like it'd be so awesome. It, it, I'm getting really excited talking about it. Like it'd be so cool. But unfortunately, I haven't um, seen anything in my media outlets that I see regu- regularly mm-hmm. about a game. So maybe it is maybe a year or two away. Ron, you're you're a big uh, sports fan. You have a love of the NFL. When mm-hmm. comparing NRL and NFL, what are the strongest appeals of both codes? Um, when you so that's one of the things of of Australia. Does code when you say code, you mean both games? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, both, yeah, both. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. I was looking at that earlier. I'm like, ah, I think I know it. But um, um, so the appeal about both games. So obviously, again, like I mentioned, they're both very similar to just, you know, like for me, NFL football and rugby, rugby league are similar in the fact that the, the ball size, you're running to the end, you know, an end zone or the goal area and you're, you're tackling, you're hitting, but like in rugby league, you don't got pads. These guys are, it's crazy how they throw their bodies into each other. Like right after a kickoff, Gutho, just throw it to RCG and you'll just like bulldoze people. And it's just like, oh my God. Like they're just nailing each other. And so I think that's really cool. When if people out here could see that, like these people the are literally putting their bodies, yeah, the collisions. They're just putting their bodies on the lines and it's intense and it's awesome. And that's the same way in the NFL. But I think it's a, they're both dangerous, very dangerous. Um, at the NFL, there's more to head to head contact because these guys are just literally putting their heads down, going for it. So there's kind of like, a little bit more tiny, scarier things with that, but then seeing Mitchell Moses uh, two weeks ago accidentally get kneed in the head or the thigh when he was trying to make a tackle and he was convulsed like that was scary. And, he, and they're they're not wearing any headgear, so I think just like one part of it is this like the tackling, the brutalness, the awesome aggression. Like we're all gonna we're getting each other, and that that's you know there's a similarity there. But like like I kind of alluded to earlier, like it is so hard to be good in the NFL and the NRL, like. It, it's crazy. Like, so when I try to talk about this with my friends and they're like, what teams are you talking about? Cause they don't know. Yeah. I'll kind of compare like the storm to the Patriots and I'll kind of conform, uh, con- uh, uh, what should it call the, Oh my goodness. I'm having a brain fart. The Panthers are kind of like the chiefs. Like, cause like the old yeah. team that has the old coach, that's been so good. And then they have the chief, you know, the chiefs and the Panthers are kind of like that new young team. And it's just like, they go undefeated. What they're, the heck, you know, pretty good. And they comparisons. Get- yeah, I, I thought so. And then uh, <laughs> that's how I kind of compare it. And it, they make it look so easy and it's so frustrating because you have the Eels who have all these good players and it's just like they can't – not they can't, but, you know, the consistency issues they have. And it's like, man, we could be so good. And it just shows how, how hard it is to be good. And that's the same thing with, like, the teams in the NFL. Like, you have teams like the Bills that are so good and they just, like, can't make the Super Bowl. And if you want to go back to the 90s, they made the Super Bowl – before my time, I was a baby, but I think they made the Super Bowl three or four times in a row and lost all time. And it's like, oh my goodness! So the appeals of both te- of both sports is just like it's so hard, but that's why people love it because it's just you think you're right there, you're right there, and you don't. And then when it is your team, it's just like we're not the ones on the field playing, but it's like all that hard work, all that energy, all that time spent voting for this one team. It's like, oh, it's happening, you know. And you guys have had a lot longer experience with the Eels not winning a, a, a premiership 
you know, I can contest with the bears, but me jumping in this sport, my brain's like, Oh, I got, I just jumped in now. I give me like 10, 15 years. And I'll start to get frustrated about not winning, but you guys have been in it for a long time. So I totally get it. And it's just like, we're so good and teams go up and down right now. It seems like it's the Eels time. It's like, we need to capitalize now. Cause we don't know about Papa Lee next year. He's been kind of up and down and not talking too much about it, which I get. Um, so we don't know if we're getting him back. Reed's gone. Nia Corey has gone. So it's just like, I, it's one of those things like it, it's the love of the game and the passion these players show on both sides. That's why I think a lot of people are drawn to it. And just the tenacity and the aggressiveness that this, these games have. And, um, I think, and for NRL especially, it's just the no no pads. I think seeing people just like nail each other and the aggressiveness, and that would that that's what also drew me to it too, because it's like this isn't the same. This is different. This game isn't played the same. So, have you? There's have a you, lot of similarities, but yeah. Have you had a chance to check out representative football in rugby league? Because I know with American sports, the Pro yeah. Bowl is more of a glorified talent contest now. Where you do you go for the mini games and whatnot because the actual game itself is you know a bit of a, a walkthrough. But State of Origin, yeah. Rugby League World Cup. Uh, mm. Have yeah. you had a chance to check them out? Um, yeah. No, yes, I have. So I I think the – so it's something that you guys have done the whole time, I'm assuming, with the, the Origin games being in the middle of the season. I thought that was really interesting. And what I – because most of the American – other than baseball, but there's not a lot of uh, like injuries for the most part. Yeah, yeah the All-Star game. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was interesting that it was in the middle of the season because for the NFL – the Pro Bowl is a joke. Like, it's cool to get that honor because you're getting, you know, the accolades. Like, he's a Pro Bowl or watch out or like, I, you know, I worked hard for this. That's That that part's cool. But the game um, itself, I'll tell you what, I'm 27. I think I've maybe watched one, one or half a Pro Bowl game ever. I just, I'm not interested because the players aren't interested, which I get because they don't want to get hurt and they're ready for the next season, you know, and all that stuff. But it's so cool at the NRL. Would they play it in the middle of the season? My brain's like, all right, they're going to take it easy. Nope. Even if their team's in first place and they're playing that first origin, they're trying to fight each other. They're trying to score. They're throwing fist pumping. You know, it's they're a, going. You know, it's a you know, less head, of a thing these first. days. But going back a couple of decades or a decade and a half, you'd often have players from the same club or franchise on opposite sides of the field because of their state of origin being Queensland, New South right, Wales, yeah. and, and they would throw fists. They would they would actually get into full on <laughs> blues of each other and then go back to being best mates after the after full time. Oh my. I didn't even think about that part. I forgot, like, yeah, because where they're from, their or- origins. Yeah, they're yeah. on opposite sides, and they still get in fights. That's so funny. <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned being able to connect with another American fan via Facebook, but have you managed to convert mm-hmm. any of your friends or family into whether General Rugby League or Parramatta fandom? Uh, that's been hard. Um, so n- the answer is no, unfortunately. It's, it's hard because everyone that I know is kind of – so me liking this sport has been more of an effort on me. Like nobody's been telling me to do this other than myself. And I, I'm going on my way to, you know, on Facebook, I'm looking stuff up on the internet. I'm going on my way to listen to you guys on my way to work. All those things are, are me doing that. So when I've told um, my friends, like, dude, you guys got to come over and watch this. This is so cool. Like they know what it is, but they're like, yeah, I don't care. And I think that's yeah. just more me. So it's, I don't, so I don't want it to like kind of contradict what I said about the American market. Mm-hmm. It kind of also sort of ties in. It's just, it's not marketed. Yes. And I, and uh, I think I found a, I think I found a gem. Like I genuinely think the NRL is a gem. And if it was marketed here, everyone would be like crazy. They would have to figure out the time slot. Like for me, it's one thing by myself, but like for America, that'd be something they'd have to figure out or whatever, which wouldn't, couldn't be that hard. But my friends know they kind of, they kind of razz me. It's again, it's not the NRL itself. They're like, oh, he's watching, you know, his rugby league. He's watching it all, brother. And then I'll post highlights. And I appreciate 60s for liking them on Instagram. I'll try to post them on my story 
like the big highlights or a cool play or maybe even like something that's like something that's shareable, I guess you could say. And I'm trying to do it that way. So I have one buddy that will watch every now and then, but it's very spread out. He'll think it's cool, but he has no interest. And then I was actually watching the last game against the Raiders and my fiance was on her phone on the couch. She doesn't usually watch. But she was like, oh, this is, she started asking me all these questions. Like, this is actually pretty cool. This is better than NFL. Like, I feel like every girl or wife or female in America hates football. And that's a, that's a joke. That's just a joke. Like, oh, they're no, watching no, no, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but she was like, this is better than NFL. I'm like, why do you say that? And she's like, because it's so fast because the clock, like, yeah, doesn't stop unless there's, like, right, a score this, or injury yeah. or something like that. It's like, it's constant. It's constant. They're always having the ball. Someone's hitting it. like, you're going. Because the NFL has, like, 8,900 commercials and everything. I'm like, oh, I, I hate it. But, um, so yeah, she was really liking it. So I don't know if I converted her, but maybe she'll send watch with me sometimes. So, um, unfortunately for me personally, no, I haven't been able to convert anybody. Um, the guy I mentioned in the group, uh, that I met Kent that lives in America, he said that his buddy, I think the way he got interested was, and hopefully I get this right. He doesn't get mad at me was that he has a buddy that where he lives. That's a Raiders fan. So I think through that, he kind of got tied into it. Yep. So he watched it because of him. And then I can't remember the reason how he specifically came a Eels fan, but it came through that. So whenever they, the Eels play the Raiders, uh, it's kind of like a little rival rivalry they have. So it's kind of cool. But, you know, in the future, I hope I can convert more people. And right now it's not really happening, unfortunately. But you know what? I, I'm loving it. They're missing out. That's how I see it. I genuinely think they're missing out. And that's, uh, that's a fact. So I'm, I'm loving it. But Craig's going to ask you about the time zone difference, which I've got a fair idea about because in reverse, I watch MLB and NFL with uh, the two Seattle franchises, the Seahawks and the Mariners. So I have a pretty good idea of of what it takes for you to watch the NRL in reverse. But just following Mm -hmm. up on what you're talking about there and watching the games, this is something we don't consider because as Australians, we just watch it on both free-to-wear and and cable, our equivalent of cable TV, pay TV. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is accessibility like for someone outside of Australia? Is the product hard to follow? Is it simple? Could it be easier? Is there stuff that they're missing out on? Um. So the okay. So the way I watch, like you say, you have those apps. I watch. So I like that was the thing too. I had to figure out how am I going to watch this if I'm going to commit to it. So I just went on the NRL uh, website and kind of scrolled through all that stuff, and I found that there's the uh, Watch NRL app, and I think it's ran through Fox. Like I think that's the company that runs through because I don't get any of the other channels that I see through the highlights and stuff. So it's ran through Fox. Um, is it difficult? No. Um, so the games for me, if it's an early game, like if it's like, what's the earliest time the games come on for you guys? Like three or four, like the early games, a three, a three o'clock afternoon kickoff on Saturdays or a two o'clock yeah. afternoon kickoff on Sundays for us. Oh, so that's around 1am to 2am or 11. It's between like 11 and one for mm-hmm. the early games. And then the primetime games, uh, that start at seven fifty, which I think is kind of late for a primetime game, but, um, they come on at four fifty for me. So what I usually do is if I'm not working super late, cause I can work really late sometimes. Um, if I get home at a decent time or I'm off, I'll stay up and I'll watch the one o'clock AM game for me. But if it's like 4 AM, 3 AM, 5 AM, I, I won't watch unfortunately cause I got to get sleep and all that stuff, obviously. So the the hardest part for me is if I commit to go to sleep and then watch it in the morning, is staying off my phone, which means social media, because I follow the Eels uh, Instagram, I follow the Facebook yeah, so page, plus the, the results, group, which yeah. I get notifications for, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, like, I have to, like, uh, like men- mental myself, like, don't go on it, don't go on Instagram. And sometimes if I press it, I'll see, like, blue and gold pop, and I have to, like, swipe out. I'm like, don't go, don't look, don't look. <laughs> and then it's kind of tricky, because, like, I mean, how many times have you done something where you're just 
let me load my phone. And you don't even think yep. about it, yep. you know, nature. or you, you go to the bathroom and you're like, well, and then you open your phone, you don't even think about it. So that's kind of hard. Like, cause I'll drop my son off at daycare. Maybe if it, if they play on Sunday, like now I'm off and I have to like do all my dad stuff and it's, it can get kind of difficult, but it's not, it's just kind of like, like Kent that I keep mentioning. He says that whenever like the Eels player, it's coming up to the game, he'll take his Facebook app and just like, he'll just move <laughs> it away from his phone. And I think I need to start doing that because I've been actually really good. I think there's only been one game I spoiled myself for, and I think it was a win. So didn't make it that I got to watch some good uh, footy, and but yeah, that's basically it and stuff like that. So it's not hard, but it's kind of hard. It's kind of like a little tricky. You mentioned that you think the seven fifty PM kickoff is too late for a primetime game. And it's fascinating to hear that because that is one of the, the consistent gripes among Australian fans is, our mm-hmm. games keep getting pushed back and back later and later to cater for more pregame coverage, more advertising, and you know more mm-hmm. quote unquote prime time slots for the Australian advertising stuff. So, State of Origin's been the real bad culprit for that. It gets pushed back to almost past eight o'clock these days for mm-hmm. kickoff. So, if you've got a young, young lad watching it, got to go to school the next morning because it's a Wednesday exactly Wednesday evening for us. It, it's an actual nightmare. Mm, yeah, I, I can imagine. I sometimes think about that myself. Uh, not some well, yeah. I mean, because out here. With all the, I think there's four time zones in America, like East Coast, you know, with the East Coast and uh, Central time zone, that usually is kind of predominant. Usually games are like seven o'clock, you know, they, they, you know, form it out that way. The basis time is like seven to eight o'clock, which is mostly seven o'clock for most places or five o'clock for the West Coast. And, you know, that seems pretty normal. Then I see the 7.50 start time. And I do think to myself, man, that's late. Like, you know, games are three hours with everything that goes on. And let's say your team wins. You want to hang out or do this. And then I think about your guys' post-game show at the, the the restaurant at the stadium. And I'm thinking, like, of course you want to stay. But then, like you said, what if you have a kid or, you know, elementary school, can they want to stay? They're probably not getting home in their bed, I'd imagine, until, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. Maybe a tiny bit later. I'm like, as fun as that is, like, I would do that for my son because it might be, like, a you know awesome bonding experience for him. At the same time, like you kind of have to like this is late. This is kind of ridiculous, but I don't know why they'd have to focus so much on the uh, the the media stuff before the game. Like you have a pregame show, but why does it have to be so extensive? And I just think it's a little late. But maybe I don't always want to comment on those little things because like the two <laughs> no, different it's... cultures, and maybe it's so easy for you guys and not for us. But it was just something I didn't notice, so I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe I, I don't know a, something. I think there's a payoff where, as you said, the you. In the NFL, you've got all the advertising that happens during the game. Yeah, um, and I, I think really for the uh, for the NRL, you, you get the pre-game, halftime, and post-game. You get the advert, you know, the real advertising that comes in. You you're lucky to get. I mean, lucky. I mean, they they might squeeze in on the commercial television a, a commercial break when tries have been scored, but it's probably only one ad that goes in. And you'll see when you're at the game you'll see the uh, referee waiting for the signal that they mm-hmm. can that they can take the kickoff when yeah uh, they have that yeah it's good so um yeah now um we're just talking about watching the games have you actually got to the stage in your understanding <laughs> where and your support <laughs> of the eels that you've started referee uh, yelling at referee decisions you've you mentioned before about not understanding why that was called a knock on when it was knocked back uh, are you at that stage? Are you yelling out in frustration? Are you dropping expletives? Oh, when, when um, the calls come in. So, um, I do want to say that I, I, I'm like 98% sure I understand like all the rules and like how things happen. So I feel really confident before I say anything like to myself or out loud or if I have a question. But when I very first started watching, if something was happening and the commentators yelling or like, this is outrageous or why is this happening? Or this is a good call or the referee, like the bunker, this, this, and that I'm at, at the start. I'm like, 
yeah, I don't know anything. I'm just going to sit here and see how this plays out. Uh, but yeah, now um, I feel really good about the rules and how everything happens. I don't have too many what the heck moments or wait, what's happening. So yeah, if something comes on the TV and it's like, just like ridiculous, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Or like drop some expletives at my TV or whatever. So yeah, it does happen. Um, yeah, for sure, man. And I'm trying to see. I have some notes from the questions. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a favorite and a referee yet or one that I dislike. I have ones that I recognize more like Ashley Klein. He seems to be like the most popular guy or unpopular guy. You could say, <laughs> I was gonna say you, you might have to, you might have to throw in a, a, a <laughs> unpopular. The yeah. The, the yeah. when you were, when you were, you come up with the popular and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I fixed it. I fixed it. I know how it is. Um, um, well, I, I got to ask you then. What's up? His call on the forward pass last week. Oh, the, I have a perfect story calls. for that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm on my couch. Uh, my son's watching it with me. He's he's four. Or he's about to be four. And my fiance is sitting on the couch watching. She's asking a bunch of questions. All of a sudden, let me see if I get this right. I forgot who passed it to him, but Dylan Brown breaks free. Yeah. Bam! I'm like, oh, let's go. I get up off the couch. I'm like, go, go, go. And then pass it to Gutho. He scores. Um, I love his celebration dance at Guthrino. Uh, he hasn't done it this year, so I'm not happy about that. But I'm like screaming at the TV. My son's like, let's go. And I'm yelling, let's go. And I'm trying to do the dance. And then all of a sudden she's like, wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, what? And then she's like, they're not, it's not a score. And then I see the four pass and I'm like, oh my, no way. No, that was legit. That was legit. And then I see the replay and I'm like, Ugh. Okay, I mean, and then I think back, like I can't remember a specific moment. Like I've seen worse ones than that. That one looked more of like a lateral movement than a forward movement. I'm like whatever, like this is dumb. And then, like I said, she was just starting to ask questions, and she's like, "I knew that was forward." I'm like, "What? <laughs> I knew they could do that." I'm like, "Oh my, get out of here, go all the stairs or something." But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't have a favorite ref or a guy I kind of like or don't like. I, I like how there's personalities and some of the refs, like the NFL, they have a couple guys, not so much anymore um, since a couple guys retired. Okay. But um, I, I, I know faces. I can't put all the names yeah. to the faces. But uh, I, I don't mind Ashley Klein because I'm still learning. But I know he's not an NRL fan favorite, though. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say this. At least in, in terms of uh, baseball, there's no Angel Hernandez or Joe West in the NRL. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Hernandez, man. Good thing that's – I'm in a union for my work. He's so darn lucky there's a union for umpires, man. He would be – and. Uh. But yeah. just on the just on the forward pass, and I'm going to relate mm-hmm. it to something I saw in the NFL as well. So mm-hmm. we've got the rule that if it's backwards out of the hand, it doesn't matter where it, where it travels through the air because it can, with uh, physics and momentum and all that sort of stuff, that you can throw something backwards, but it will still travel forwards, and that's actually okay in mm-hmm. in uh, in in NRL. And and for me, there was no doubt that uh, Dylan Brown in that moment, his body positioning. And the action of his arms saw the ball travel backwards yeah. out, of his, out of his hands. However, I, I, I was watching something recently where there was it, this was in the NFL, and uh, yeah, the, and the, where the, the video referee came the in. Ruling, for, the ruling, the wording on the rules is different for lateral passing in the NFL. It doesn't. Yes, yeah, but it was so. What this actually was was, um, I think the it, it was one of those plays where the where the possession is lost, and so there couldn't be. A, um, a, a forward pass. Mm-hmm. It had to be lateral, um, and one of the uh, one of the big fellas picked up the <laughs> ball. He's charging downfield, and uh, this is like he's obviously a defender, right? I, I, and mm. I'm not a I'm not a 
NFL expert. So in terms of his position, I couldn't say it off the top of my head, but he's he's one of the blokes in the line, right, as a defender. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's picked it up. He's galloped downfield. <laughs> he's done a classic rugby league one-hander round the corner sort of pass where his supports run up beside him and mm-hmm. he's, lateral, he's done the NFL lateral pass. But it's just a classic handoff that you see in rugby league. And uh, he celebrated the win. The commentators are talking about, you know, how unusual the the particular um, touchdown was. And then next thing, the opposition protest, and it goes to the the referee, to the, booth, or yeah. the, the um, uh, umpire. What what are they, are they referees? Referees. The There's referees, yep, and yep. certain ones are called umpires. Depend, depends where they are on the field. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yep. So they take that. They take a look at the video, and they're literally still framing where the ball came out of his hand. And where the ball was caught, so you know, like physics isn't isn't part of it, and yeah. you know, so of course it was denied. But everything about the action was the ball's coming out of his hands backwards. It's just mm-hmm. the physics of it took it forward. It was denied. It was one of the best um, touchdowns you'd ever see because it was so relatable as in in as far as rugby league's concerned. And I was I was stunned to see that sort of ball skill of the offload. Like it was literally an offload <laughs> in the tackle, and uh, and you know it was he he was he was over the moon for what he'd done, and uh, you know they were celebrating the score, but you know what a disappointing moment to have something like that disallowed. Yeah, they don't get the ball much. Yeah, they they don't get the touch <laughs> no, the they're the biggest. So yeah, they're, they're so disappointed. Like sometimes when like a really good like like a receiver scores, they'll just give it to the lineman because they don't get to touch it. So they're like, all right, I'll I celebrate all the time here. Spike this real quick so we can go on the sideline. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, I know you guys are asking me the questions here, but I do have like one question referring to the uh, or more of a statement about the referees uh, regarding the bunker. I hear a lot of like comments on the book or on the Facebook group and through social media, and sometimes on the um, listen to you guys and everything. I personally like the bunker, but um, I understand the inconsistency because, like, going back to like yelling at the TV, sometimes I like I in certain instances, like I know the rules. I get what I'm watching. I see what I'm seeing from what I've learned, and they'll call it a whole other way. I'm like, how? Like from everything, like how is it not blankety blank or whatever the the play is? And it's very frustrating because, like, I hear people say, "Get rid of it, get rid of it." Well, I think every major sports in 2022 and just technology in the world, like, I think there should be replay in a system that works. So, like, having this tool, I think is great awesome like i'm surprised it's kind of a newer thing for you guys so or us i guess i should say i got used to saying that and i i don't think it's a bad tool i just think the people that are doing it are just making being inconsistent like i don't understand how it could be so much inconsistency yeah, in a sport the big, that like the, big, the rules yeah. are black and white i know they're constantly changing i've read recently and one thing i do really like about it as the referee is making his literal decision as they're watching the replay from slow motion to to the start to finish. I love how there's that voice or whoever is doing the bunker is talking it through. Like this is happening. Uh, Dylan Brown's touching it here. Um, The ball hits the ground, hits Sean Lane's wrist or whatever it is. And then so-and-so recovers. I have a decision. Like, I just think that is really cool. I think maybe the the transparency there is good, but yeah. Yes. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's a frustrating one because yeah, conceptually the bunker is a fantastic idea. I think, you know, having a centralized replay booth, which has the same staff in order to give it the, the most or best chance of getting a consistent result is a good idea. It's just that last couple of years has been just head scratches far too often mm-hmm. in terms of the pros like the end process where the rules are interpreted in a way that we're not used to them being interpreted. Sometimes it's black and white. Sometimes they're allowed, you know, degrees of 
judgment on calls that have otherwise been it's either this or this so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah one, once again happy to have the bunker in its current iteration it's just got to make sure we're more consistent when it comes to the decision making process i guess mm-hmm. from my perspective they get it right 90 to 95 percent of the time mm-hmm. but say that five percent or, or even less that they get wrong are some of the biggest head scratches yeah because it's like you, you almost feel like you could grab someone off the street, get them to look <laughs> at it, and they will come up with the right decision, whereas the expert in the in the <laughs> has possibly been the only one watching it that's come up with their call. And yeah. and and some of them have been absolutely like in the in recently in the uh, NRLW, there was uh, one match where, where Parramatta were playing Newcastle in the NRLW, and the official came up with calls in that which were beyond belief like i don't think that official's been in the bunker for the nrlw since then um Mm. like it was that they were that they were honestly that bad and i don't mind saying they were that bad they were that wrong that you you thought to yourself how is this person in this official capacity i know they're a referee they've refereed NRL games and they've been on the field refereeing, you know. But yeah, so we do get moments like that, and it's and that's probably the frustrating thing. As as Forty said, the bunker itself is fantastic. The execution or or some of the judgment calls made um, a bit head scratching. I, I sometimes wonder whether they are going into it looking for certain <laughs> things. You know, yeah. whether the approach is looking for reasons to deny rather than looking yeah. for reasons to reasons to allow and and mm-hmm. maybe there's a maybe there's a, a philosophical difference between some of the different um, people that are in there because it's basically the referees that are taking their turns at being a video ref rather than on field ref yeah. so maybe there's some philosophical differences in the in the way they referee that gives mm-hmm. us those inconsistencies and in the way the way they approach that so yeah Let's uh, hit the yeah. home stretch and talk some Parramatta Eels footy now. Which, and this is a question I'm actually really keen to hear from you, given your unique perspective. Oh which Parramatta players do you think are going to be most critical across the next game, or hopefully two, uh, in that run to the Premiership or Championship? Okay, so I have three names that I wrote down. Um, the original way I was seeing it read was crucial to success, but it makes sense to the next two games because that's what we got left, and there's the most important. Um, in no particular order, I just as I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Moses, Mitchell Moses. Um, obviously, he's like the field general. He kind of like gets everyone the ball when they need to. The, everything revolves around him for the most part. And just like, obviously, we can see what happens when he is not on the field, um, especially in the middle of a game against the Panthers a couple weeks ago. And just kind of everything kind of fell down from there, unfortunately. And when he's on, if it's, I think if he's just on the field doing everything he, he needs to do, Win or lose, like we have the best chance of him on the field. And whenever he turns it up and he commits to run, oh my goodness, it's awesome. Cause like going into watching rugby league, I always thought like the number seven, cause I hear halfback like football, all oh, this guy's going to run, 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 run. Well, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you see number sevens in rugby league not always be so committed to the run yep. and all that kind of stuff. And I really do. And like I noticed that there are guys that do and stuff. But Mitchell Moses, like I, I feel that he does more than maybe most run the ball and try to score and all those kinds of things and pass at the right time, but commit to the run. And when he does that, it's elite because he, for me at least, it seems like he's so so well at faking a pass where he 
pumps and bam, he's gone. Cause that guy committed so hard to that little pump fake or the dummy as you guys call it, which is funny. Um, but I feel like when he's on the field, uh, that's, that's key. Number one, uh, number two, the guy I wrote down was Gutherson, uh, King Gutho. He might be my favorite player. I think that's kind of a chalk pick, obviously the captain, the number one, the, the fullback, but he, uh, if there was like a guy above the field general, like the, president of the field the captain the king obviously that's him like he gets everyone the position i can't see it on the tv obviously but i know like he's barking out orders as uh 60 says getting everyone positioned from the fullback all the way in the the back or behind everybody um he leads by example because he seems to just do everything right and i it was months ago uh we're talking about how much players make and everything because it's not um it's a big deal to pay somebody a million dollars over there for rugby league and he's not somebody that's going to be that million dollar guy, but he doesn't need, like, we know that that's going to happen, but he does everything right. He's always in the right spot. He's one of the best support players where he's coming up behind somebody to score. He's Mr. Everything. He doesn't have to be Trebojevic and run people over. He doesn't have to be Tedesco and, you know, get 200 meters every game. I know Gutho does, but I feel like Tedesco, he's always trying to run. Like, he's the best. I'm not trying to down that, but he doesn't yeah. have to be him to be as good as he is or. Latrell Mitchell or just like all these or Pappenhausen where he scores 9,000 tries a year and has the best hair. Like he doesn't have to be those things to be as good as he is. And like, I feel like the fullback is like one of the coolest positions, but also one of the hardest positions. Like if a, somebody breaks free and you got fullback and two guys running up at him, well, 50, 50, who's passing the ball. He's not passing the ball. He's going to look silly. He's not. I feel most of the time Gutho is so good at just like, you're done. Like you break away, I tackle you, I'm gonna hold you down. If I go in the sin bin, whatever. I don't think that's happened to him, but you know, he's so good on defense and I just appreciate that. It's like, man, like he does he makes it look somewhat easy, but I know how hard it is. Um, so Gutho has to play. He's he does all the little things right. And um sixties also mentioned it however many weeks ago. If he starts running the ball in like second or third tackle, maybe fourth tackle, and then go from there because he wasn't really doing that being around the ruck. I've noticed since like you saying that, he's been doing that more or less. Can and I, it has it, made a it, difference. Can I claim that maybe he's read it and he and he uh, go back maybe, to what he does best? Maybe, maybe he listens and he's gonna hear me <laughs> and he's gonna like I gotta do the dance for me because he hears me not, you know, That's complaining right. that he hasn't yeah. done it and now he's doing that. So um and third the third player I have written down, and I'll do I have a couple honorable mentions and I don't have to keep going on them. But the third guy is Dylan Brown. Like man, watching him last year, you you see him like, man, this guy's like a speedster. Like he would be a perfect slot receiver in the NFL. Perfect. Like he's got the speed. His thing this year, and obviously he was so much better this year than last year. Like his stats prove it, the eye test prove it. Like he's been amazing. Um, it just kind of has to click on or off sometimes. Like he wasn't that player against the Panthers, but last week he was everywhere and he made those big plays. I think I could be wrong. I think he made 200 meters ran or maybe just underneath that. He's a game changer. Like, like I was mentioning earlier, like my brain immediately from my football sense or NFL sense, you think those six and seven players, uh, the five eighth and the halfback are going to be the guys that are always running the ball, always running the ball. Well, that's not always the case. And there's some players like Cameron Munster. That dude's everywhere. He's a number six and he's doing everything. So like, that's how I kind of compartmentalize it in my brain when I'm trying to learn rugby league and stuff like that and try to compare players. If he can, I'm not saying play like Munster. I'm not saying that he, he needs to play like Dar uh, Dylan Brown. If he could just be that player all the time, that sneaky fast, that bam, 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 and Sean Lane and breakaway speed, like he can do that consistently, man. That, those three players are my guys. And also, just a side note, Dylan Brown might be the coolest guy in Australia. Like that guy is so cool. Dylan's and I follow him on Instagram. Cool, yeah. 
he's dope, and I'm a White Sox fan, and he has a White Sox hat he wears on his Instagram stories, and I'm like, there's a connection. I don't know what it is. And my three honorable mentions of of players that I that I don't think are they're all crucial, but guys that maybe like you could throw in there is Sevo because he's just so dominant when you get 20 meters in. Like it's almost almost an automatic. He's just unbelievable, even coming in from that ACL. And uh, you can throw in the props, uh, Polo and RCG and the uh, Brian Madison. Um, sometimes when I listen to you guys, I don't like when I watch the game. I'm always seeing maybe the spine players, like the at, like the big athletes. And then you guys, a lot of times when you do your three, two ones. You're always throwing in like the big boys, like, and the I'm thinking boys. to myself, like, yeah. I don't think they do bad, but I don't realize how how good or well they're doing in the game. Where you're like, they had 200 meters, they had five offloads. Like, I see that, but I don't see that. It, like, it, you guys are just praising them, praising them, praising them. There's a parallel like, to the oh, O-line here, where oftentimes if it's a great game from the O-line from the center of the guard and the tackles, you don't always mm-hmm. you don't always see it because the running back is the one that's feasting uh, over yes. QB, obviously. But yeah, once you start watching the game a bit more you sort of come to appreciate that how much the games are won or lost around the middle, which is why we tend to shout out the big units a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I It makes me want to like watch them more because I'll see RCG get the ball usually on the first tackle or after a kickoff, and then you'll start your, your stat breakdown on the game after after the game. RCG, 200 meters. Paul, 200 meters. I'm like, they did? I was like, whoa, what the? All right. Awesome. Sweet. You know, And you're expecting to hear that from like, Gutho, which he does, or like Sivo or those guys. So it's it's really cool to hear that. And I love that. That so it makes me watch the game more. Like it makes me pay attention to more than like the skill guys will say. So but yeah, those uh, are my three names for this coming couple games here. No, good picks. Okay, and, and you mentioned that you're not you're not someone that watches as much of the other teams, but are there players from other clubs that you've come to admire as well? Yes. And um, so that so I did say I don't watch them all the time this year's. So part of this question that I wrote down was that this my goal from last year to this year. So last year was like last year's goal was for me. Know the Eels players, know the rules, understand the league, understand like the just who's or who's good or bad in the league, like the good teams, bad teams, like mostly general stuff, but hyper focus on Eels players. Like these are the guys I want to root for. I want to know their names. I want to yell at their names personally when they do something wrong on the TV, all those kind of things. Um, but this year, this goal this year was to know more than that, because if I'm going to follow, I got to know who the, like, and even last year, I knew who like Tedesco was or Chaboyevich mm-hmm. and all like the stars of the teams. I want to know more than them, the role players, or maybe like Cameron Murray is the captain for the Rabbitohs, but you don't see him on the highlight reels all the time, like those kind of players. So my goal for year two of paying attention completely was, uh, learn more of the other team's players. And I also played NRL fantasy this year, which is pretty cool. I didn't play, I play with like random people, so yeah. it wasn't like super amazing but it helped it did help me learn all these players and know who to start or who was not very good compared to so-and-so and all that kind of stuff but to answer your question 60s yeah i wrote down a couple names that have stuck out to me um damian cook just playing the dummy half position watching him play compared to maybe reed money and i know there's a lot of oh speaking of money <laughs> or the way it's written in, in from america i would pronounce it mahoney yeah. but on the tv they always say read money so that's I, no. I i can't believe i just said it so naturally that was kind of funny we, i guess we, we watching followed Reed it so from much. A, a very young age because obviously there's no draft in the nrl he came across yeah. from the canterbury bulldogs to us as a 16 or 17 year old and i initially also pronounced it mahoney as well until i was because uh, that's just how it reads phonetically but then i was corrected mm-hmm. very quickly very early on that it's money so yeah you're not right. alone, you're not alone and it helps them to call it Call him Cash Money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But uh, yeah, I, I I like Damian Cook. I like the way he plays because it is so much different than Reed and a couple other players. Like 
most of the time, I, I could be butchering this a little bit. The the dummy half is mainly meant to pass, and if he has an opportunity to run, if there's no mark, two markers or one marker in front of him, like take advantage of that yep. and all those kinds of things. And Reed's really good at support, but I just feel like Damian Cook is like so elite at just doing more than just passing the ball from the uh, the handoff there, not handoff, play the ball. Um, Brian Toe from last year was really just like an elite score. Like give him the ball, it's like automatic, and he would as a uh, a winger, he would always have like 200 meters a yeah. game, like bam, 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 exactly. bam, bam. And like, I know that's kind of typical, but I, I I almost like, that doesn't happen every game for those guys. Cause if they're not, if your team's not doing well, that guy on the, on the end isn't getting the ball out. At least so it seems, um, at O'Carr, I know he's a big, uh, fan favorite out there and he's got like that merchandise line out there, which is pretty cool. I was surprised learning like, okay, the, the Bulldogs aren't a very good team and like this elite player would go there. I know money talks and they have probably a, a vision for their future. And now Reed's going over there, but um, Ad O'Carr is elite. I like him a lot. Adam Reynolds, he's like a sniper with that kick, with his kicking. Like, that's crazy how good he is. I'm surprised. I know he's a little bit older. He's more of a veteran player, but I'm surprised that the Rabbitohs uh, didn't resign him. I'm sure it wasn't asking for too much, but they got a new number seven, and he's pretty decent as a rookie. Um, Latrell Mitchell's awesome. He doesn't always look like somebody that would be a typical athlete. I'm not trying to shame him or anything no. like that, but you see him, you don't think he's going to be like a big game changer. But like he is just all over the place doing this, this, and that scoring machine. Like, and uh, I mentioned Munster earlier. He's oh man, I could I, do people like him over there. If you're not a Storms fan, because I feel bit, like he's, he's everyone's like enemy, but he's so good. Uh, a lot of people love him on the social media because he he's uh, pretty good. And we've got a uh, mm-hmm. one of our big social media channels, uh, the roast, the NRL roast. Uh, always mm-hmm. loves interacting with uh, him and Brandon Smith. But yeah, he's as a player, he's very polarizing because he can absolutely carve you up, but also be a bit of a grub. So yeah. it's one of those. Oh ones yeah, that yeah. You love you love him on your team. Hate to play against him. Exactly, that's how I felt too. And then when he made that whatever game he played, but maybe it was a, the one before the the playoffs or the finals where he like got tackled and he like put his elbow into that dude's head or whatever. <laughs> that, that I was like, what was that? Like I saw that. And I was like, that was not right. And then like I didn't hear anything from it till the next day on the news and everything. I'm like, yeah, I did see that. And then lastly, Tom Trebojevic. Um, he's not like one of my favorites. I put him, I wrote him down last, but I, I feel like you can't not mention him and you can go all the way back to the marketing for uh, this game in America. He would be like on every game cover if they made a rugby league game. I know they have one, but man, that guy, he is something else. Like he's a glass cannon. When he stays so there is amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys I watch when I can watch the other teams. Uh, I'll try to at least watch one other game. Then the Eels that was another part of my goal. So yeah, I do have a lot of guys I look out for and I watch. So this game's got a, a lot of great athletes that in some ways, I'm surprised that I didn't hear about before, which I, I really mean uh, that. So it's crazy. That's a really, really cool list. A lot of uh, you know, high-profile players there for sure, but also some good picks. So, mm-hmm. and like I said, it, it's really cool to have this insight from someone that is now a big fan of the sport, but is coming in from you know a completely different perspective in terms of grounding. You know, we we grew up with rugby league, so it's easy for us to have certain biases, but you're coming into it sort of almost like self-instructive. So very, mm-hmm. very cool stuff. Now, awesome. Uh, Thank you. Obviously, the Eels got the win against Canberra, mate. But it, the coming into it, the narrative wasn't exactly one of confidence amongst Australian media, amongst fans. Uh, under Brad Arthur, we've struggled to get out of the second round of the finals. You jumped on board as a Parramatta fan into a club that hasn't been successful for 36 years. I know you also have your you know, uh, Chicago Bears fan, which helped ground you there. <laughs> but were you confident yeah. <laughs> that the Eels would emerge victorious over the Raiders last week? And if so, why? Um. Yeah, so I'm used to like the not winning part, which is unfortunate, the ups and downs. Excuse me. Uh but yeah, no, I was uh I was like not even trying to be like Eels biased. I was pretty confident. I mean, I know that the Eels or excuse me, the Raiders were coming on a high and they've been winning a lot recently and got in at the end of the year pretty much for the finals. 
Um, they have some good players, obviously. Toppany, I think I'm pronouncing that right, has been pretty good this year, obviously. And then they have that um, rookie full, uh, fullback, Savage. That dude's that dude's got really good speed. Yes. So um, I know they got some good players. Uh, I know they got some good players, but based on if you put the two teams like toe to toe, I know they're very similar in the way they play. I, like not even being biased, like I said, I really wasn't too worried. You can't take every team for granted, as I learned this year with the Bulldogs and which, the Tigers. My goodness, those games were. Ugh. Yep. But. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too worried, but the way I've learned rugby league is crazy with what can happen. But no, I was pretty good. I was I was confident. Nice. So let's let's dream a little. Let's assume we get through this week and get to the grand final. Okay, who, I like it. Yeah. Who would you prefer to be the uh Eels opponent in a grand final? And I suppose to, All frame, right, so to frame this from the we'll NFL perspective, even though it's a bit nonsensical given the different uh conferences, it's kind of like the Chiefs or the Packers. For the Parramatta's here, for Parramatta, if we win through the grand final, the the Chiefs obviously being the Panthers and the Rabbitohs being the Packers, who have the psychological edge over <laughs> over our Chicago Cub, uh, Cubs, Chicago Bear equivalent. Oh here. boy. Um. Yeah. So it's so funny when I was, you know, I found out I was going to be doing this and all this fun stuff. That was something that kind of went through my head that I just like wanted to ask. That like the same exact question I wanted to ask before I got like all this stuff, uh, which was so funny. So yeah. To- both teams are really good. It's kind of crazy how inconsistent a little bit the Rabbitohs have been th- throughout mm-hmm. the year. We're like, they play so well. They play so well, but then like they're like fifth, sixth, or seventh somewhere in there. And it's like kind of head scratching to me, at least. Yeah, but then fair. they go into the playoffs or finals and they just knock everybody out or they win, win, win. And they are a good team. And we know that for sure being Eels fans. Um, it just seems like you play them. It's, I hate to say it, an automatic loss, unfortunately. Like I don't go in thinking that, but it's kind of already in the back of your head. So based on what I just said, I would have to say I'd rather play the Panthers. We played. I'd rather lose in the grand final, uh, like a close game, kind of like how the playoff game was last year when we faced them. Like in a game like that, and just getting blown out like forty-two to six or something, like you know, against the the Rabbitohs. Um, I would imagine if we did play the Rabbitohs, it'd be a tighter game because of I don't know, it's the grand final. But I would much rather want to play the Panthers just based on previous the last two years of my experience watching. It's been better games win or lose, and I'd rather have that because that always gives us a chance. And I don't know what it is the the bunnies do that we don't have or what we don't have against the the bunny. Like I don't know what it is. Every time we play in the last two years, it's just like an onslaught. It's like, my goodness, man. Like, can we get one? It's just, I don't know what it is. Um, so yeah, it's obvious answer. I'd rather play the Panthers in this one. No, that's a, a very, very solid answer. I think it, I wouldn't be surprised sixties if there was a majority of fans that answered that way too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's assume that the Eels do make the grand final. It is against the Panthers or the Rabbitohs. Uh, we, mm-hmm. We've already spoken about you know not being able to necessarily convert a lot of friends and family here, but for a game as big in terms of the NRL as the grand final, do you watch it on your own with your son? Can you manage to can you get a group of friends together or family together to you know try and sample the event? Um, if it does happen, I think I would try. I, I didn't even think about this at all, um, but it is a really good question. Really good question. Uh, what? I, so I would try to maybe organize something with my buddies if they can because we're in that stage of life where everyone kind of lives everywhere with families and work and everything so it might be harder especially for something that i'm super passionate about that maybe they aren't and that's unfortunate because i don't want to watch with somebody i want to yell at with somebody on the tv um so i would try if it does happen i would try to try and get a couple buddies together maybe get some drinks some pizzas or something and watch but what's probably gonna end up happening is gonna be me maybe my son depends what day of the week that particular game goes on it might be me my coffee myself and i (laughs) watching the game and Cry, either yelling or crying at the end of it. So <laughs> yep. I would, I, 
I would love to watch it with somebody and have like a little super quote unquote Super Bowl party or grand final party. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to do that, but I don't know if it's going to happen, unfortunately. Maybe if I can convert some of my friends and make it more of a regular thing. So <laughs> uh, now the, the world is opening up, mate. So finally, have you got any plans to travel <laughs> to Australia and watch a game at live at Combeck Stadium? Uh, I don't have anything in the books right now. There's nothing lined up. Um, there's a lot of things happening in, in my life right now that are positive, that are changing, that are um, kind of stopping me from making a big decision like that because mm-hmm. prices for flights are just out of this world, man. And it doesn't matter where you go. Well, I guess out of the country, everything, you just slap $1,000 plus everything else Pretty that's much. going on. Yeah. So it is in the plans now because my son before – Funny enough, before I even like started watching rugby league, my son loves the show Bluey. I'm sure you guys all know about that <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah, so he loves that, and it makes me and my fiance like, let's go to Australia, let's just vacation there. So that was already in our mind. And then now I'm following the National Rugby League, which is in Australia, and it's like more incentive to go. And if I ever go, I'd want to stay for at least seven days, and mm-hmm. I'd want to go to at least two games, whatever the schedule has, like you know, uh, back-to-back home games, where whoever they're playing. That's what I'd want to do in the future. Uh, but no, unfortunately, there's nothing. But it's added to the bucket list. I want to go. Even if we lose both games in that particular year, we go. They're the worst team that's ever existed. I still want to go. Because um, just the atmosphere of that place. Because I've been to baseball games. I've been to football games. Um, you know, all different types of stuff like that for sporting events. And I this is this would be something completely new with the atmosphere, what I'm watching, the fans, the people next to me, the sights, the smells. All the little things like that, like it would be more than just me going to watch. It'd just be the entire experience. Like it'd just be, it'd be something truly amazing. And it would be something just to experience as a sports fan and just something in my life I would like to do. Um, but nothing right now. Hopefully in the future, maybe a couple years from now. Uh, me and the, my, the guy I mentioned, Ken, we, we've talked about if we ever do, we'd go together. And it'd be something awesome. My fiance said she'll go. She's like, yeah, I'll scream and do this and that. And we can get drinks. And then I'm like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Like, you'll do that too. So it would be a, a good time and it'd be awesome. So I, I'm really enjoying it. And it's on the list. The, the amazing thing about Combank Stadium is that, you know, it, it's a purpose-built rectangular stadium for sports like, uh, you know, uh, rugby league, rugby union, soccer, and just the embankment of the of the. the the slope of the stands, you no matter where you are, you're right over the top of the game. And then mm-hmm. the amazing thing is there's a different atmosphere in different parts of the ground. So we've had a few times that we've been invited into a, a corporate box on, on, at, uh, at the stadium. And, of course, it's the entire um, western side of the, of the field is, is all corporate. Um, but our regular seats are on the halfway line on the eastern side. So when you're on the eastern side, you're in the middle of the noise. When you're in the corporate <laughs> side, the sound comes at you because you haven't got the yell, as much yelling or screaming from the corporate side. So mm-hmm. it's like the sound's hitting you in the face. And I'm it's, getting excited. It, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 some, it, it's something else. But, you know, like I don't – there's been some moments there. It's hard to compare that. The very first game – when Mitchell Moses scored that first try and uh, was running like about 60 metres for the try, just the noise that was in that ground for the first ever try at the stadium and, you know, oh. just the circumstances of that. And then even last week with the um, with the game, like it was just a, it was a happy atmosphere in the ground. And then towards the end, the, you had the, the Parramatta supporters doing the Viking clap 
Oh, that was awesome. Raiders. I saw that. But, you know, the good thing, the, the thing was, and I, and I I commented on the night, I said, those Raiders supporters are great sports because they're yeah. joining in the clap <laughs> when it was happening. And they stayed till, like, the, all that end of the ground that was Raiders supporters, they stayed yeah, till usually the end. there's an exodus, well, like 10 minutes ago, if your team's getting pumped like they were against us. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of the different things culturally in Australian American sports is in American sports, you don't usually run up the score like we do over here in Australia. You know, you, you yeah, see, I noticed that, but you have the point differential, so yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, so, but we, you know, we don't put the cue on the rack. And yeah, they stuck around, didn't they, 60s? <laughs> yeah, that, so shout out to those Raiders supporters because, um, yeah, it, it's good to be able to talk about the fun of the game and the fun of the interactions uh, between supporters. And um, yeah, so that, that was, that was uh, pretty special last week. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, well, I'm not going to hold you to getting over to Australia anytime soon, mate, but when you do, if you do eventually, we'll certainly have to uh, shout you out to a game or two out at Combank. But until then, oh, it'd be awesome. it's been an absolute blast talking footy with you, mate. We'll have to get you back on if we end up winning it all just to get what the perspective was over in America. But uh, stay safe, mate, and we'll catch you sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah, thanks, awesome. thanks John. Appreciate it, mate. Oh, thank you for having me. I love your guys' podcast. It's truly amazing. It's helped me learn. It's helped me get more excited, you know, up up to the game. And it's 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 been awesome. I'm a big podcast guy, and your guys is, is awesome, and I, I love it. And I, this is actually I was so excited, but also super nervous to like talk to you guys. So when like sixties, like yeah, Ron, just get on or whatever. On the th-. and I was like, oh my god, I'm about to press the button. Oh my god, I'm about to talk to these guys. Like well, I, I really you absolutely uh, killed it. I really mate. So you, you've done a great job, and it's been a blast having you on. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, mate. 60s, I know it's been just about two hours going on over now, but what a fascinating cross-section, uh, insight, whatever you want to call it, into the, the wide and wild demographics that are the Parramatta Eels fandom. Mate, we, we know we've just we've barely scratched the surface on the, as you said, that, that wide variety of the, of the demographics and the interests and the, the careers and everything about the, the Parramatta fan base. But we just thought that this would be a fascinating time to have a look at just uh, some of the supporters that we've come to know and get their thoughts on what was happening this week. And maybe um, if people see them out there on their socials and what have you, they might uh, jump in, say good day and, um, and share their love of Parramatta with them. Yeah, I mean, fascinating characters to a T, all three of them. You know, whether it's Ron and, and the international flavour and supporting the Eels from, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometres away to both the Jameses who, you know, in their own unique ways are incredible fans as a professional eater and as a, a colourful identity that brings joy to everyone that they interact with. So really, really cool insights into the Parramatta fan base. And we know that there are hundreds and thousands of other people that are equally as interesting, equally as colourful, equally as fascinating. And that's why, even though we sometimes gripe about the fans at times, the Parramatta fan base is the best in Australia and beyond. Mate, it's it's said so often, uh, you know, referring to the Blue and Gold Army as the best fans in rugby league. And I think it's fair to say that we are. We don't always agree on everything. And, and, and sometimes those disagreements... You know, or might might almost reach boiling point, but <laughs> deep down, no matter our perspectives on things, it's that love, that passion for Parramatta that you know is is at the core of all of us, and uh, that's the that's the stuff that we really want to embrace. And I hope you en- all enjoyed the the insights from uh, the three people that joined us today. Yes, sir. Now, sixties. 
We've got a massive week ahead of us for ourselves. Still got to record uh, the NRL podcast with Spiro tomorrow. Got the preview of Bernie on Thursday. Going to be live at Paraleagues Club on Friday for a bit of a super show. We're going to be doing a pre-game, halftime and post-game show as the Paramedials take on the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, looking forward to get, obviously getting in touch with everyone at the show there, but it should be uh, noted that at this stage we are expecting entry to the Paramedal Leagues Club on Friday night to be for members only, right? Yeah, so, and of course, there's no dramas about people joining up on the day. No, so. absolutely not. There's, there's even an online process you can do as well. If you go to the Paramedal Leagues website, uh, you can get that kickstarted, but they will have a membership uh, tent or, or marquee up there on the day, I believe it's $10 for the annual membership, or you can get a five-year membership for $20. So good value either way, and you'll get And your- we should mention as well that that's for the indoor, but they are also going to be setting up uh, an outdoor viewing mm-hmm. there, at the, uh, there at the club, probably around the car park area. There's lots of details still being worked on it at this very moment. So stand by because we will be letting you, we'll be keeping you updated with everything. We'll be down there. We'll be part of the uh, festivities on the day. And um, let's hope it's all so that we'll be uh, in the middle of all you screaming fans celebrating <laughs> an Eels victory and, and marching on to the grand final. Yes, indeed. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen on this particularly mammoth episode. Look forward to touching base with you guys throughout the week as we ramp up to one of the most important games in just about 13 years, 60s. Stay safe, guys. Go, you Eels. <laughs>